0: This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Well, here we are. Episode 65. And on this episode, I bring back my buddy Mark Smith from the Music Relish podcast. We're going to talk about the death of Paul Ryder, co-founder of the Happy Mondays, and uh, rock docs, rock documentaries. I think Mark likes those. So sit back, take a listen, enjoy the show.
1: We have a lift off.
2: The KOFB Studio presents Milk crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast, hosted by Scott McLean now let's talk music
1: enjoy the show
0: all right welcome to the podcast let me do a little uh fixing here on the live stream like i said welcome to the podcast you know the name of it so i'm not going to say it unless you're watching on twitch since uh this podcast well it was it was new to twitch before then i went off twitch now i'm back on twitch so, uh, then podcast milk crates turntables, as you probably see, if you're watching on Twitch. So anyways, oh, I forgot to say thank you to Amanda for that wonderful introduction. Amanda's going off to college. Yeah. She's going to FSU, Florida State University, where her brother just graduated from there. So one leaves, one comes back. It's okay though. They like having them around. Uh, yeah. Like I said, uh, in the intro, uh, I'm uh I'm bringing on uh, my buddy Mark Smith from the Music Relics podcast. Hey, you doing, Scott? Good, good, good. So uh, I think you, you saw that I put the right intro up this week. It's it, about time. Yeah, yeah. If you listened <laughs> last week, I put the wrong fucking intro up, and then I was like, ah, I'm just gonna edit it. You know, I'm doing the live stream. That's what it's for. I'll just edit it up. And I did it that night. Right now, I always upload it after the live stream. I said, fuck it. Just let it go they don't it's care. Like, it's like live music shit happens yeah they don't yeah. care i think they actually like it when i have those small disasters <laughs> i think people just like yeah ha, ha, ha. yeah you get them haters out there buddy they get the, <laughs> the live stream haters but uh so what's up buddy how you been ah, doing good doing yeah. good enjoying the heat i'm not gonna
2: think that i can compete with you with heat but i'm enjoying the heat of the northeast it's wonderful you
0: know, you live down here enough and, and Tom Spallone, a host of the uh, Going Postal podcast will tell you, you kind of just, you learn how to work around the heat down here. It's not like it's walking on the fucking sun. People are like, oh, Florida. It's fucking hot down there. It's, it's humid up there too. Yeah. I yep. remember being in New Jersey. I was, I was stopping by to see somebody on my way to somewhere. I don't know. And it was in the summer and I was it's like, what the fuck? The breeze was hot. Yeah. It was like it was like I was in a, a confection oven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what the
2: hell? New Jersey is the armpit of the East Coast. Come on.
0: It's hot. And then why are the taxes so high? I don't know. I live in New York now. Ah, There
2: you go. That well, may be a half mile over the border, but I'm in New York.
0: But <laughs> I'm in New York, so it doesn't matter to me anymore. It's like people from Massachusetts moved to New Hampshire. So they don't have to pay state taxes. It's go right over the border. And it's the same thing.
2: It's do they the complain thing. about the winters?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. I, I I noticed my friends as we get older, they get more grumpy in the winter. And more of them are saying, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, I got to get down to Florida.
2: Yeah, uh, hey, We don't want you. I got an uncle, 73 years old, 74. He lives in Vermont. He's never leaving. He loves it. Winter. He's, he's loving
0: it yeah so yeah, to each their yeah. own you know yeah i have friends that that they have no uh, no problem with it it's you know but i i just i've been away from it so long i i can't i could never go back to living it it's just yeah. not gonna happen so um how's everything going with the music relish podcast which people should tune into if you like this show you'll like that show it's going good we're uh finding our groove right.
2: and uh you know um Perry and Lou continue to be turning me on to different kinds of music. Uh, I've known them so many years. So we have a new feature where each week one of us tells the other two to listen to an album. We try to find something that the other two haven't heard. They brought up two albums I never heard of, and I loved them. And I, you may know one of them. Perry uh, had me listen to Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. Oh yeah. I knew their first album and this will show you how dumb I am about some things. I had their first album. I didn't know they put out two more albums. So we listened uh, to
0: global go, go. I, f- I love that album. So one of our, one of one of the things we're going to talk about tonight, mm-hmm. um, is rock docs, right? Rock documentaries, music documentaries. Yeah. And, uh, let me get the name of it. The Future is Unwritten. I, is it that one? Or is it uh might be The Future is Unwritten. It's a Joe Strummer documentary. And he's with the Muscaleros, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh there's one part, he's on like uh the like Atlantic City boardwalk, and he's fucking like giving out tickets to the show and people don't know who he is. Like, it's like, Oh fuck. Some people recognize him. Yeah. And, but he's out there himself. Like, Hey, you come coming. Want to come to the show tonight? You know, just kind of fucking handing out free tickets. Yeah. 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 And just kind of shooting the shit, you know, it was cool as shit, man. I, and I'm pretty sure there's two good ones on him. I think that might be the one, the future is unwritten. Anything with Joe Strum, any documentary with Joe Strum is good. It's just yeah. fucking good. That's all there is to it. Oh, and I recommend great. seeking those out if you like rock documentaries. I I, I remember when he, when he died, uh, a friend of mine, one of my dearest, dearest friends, Phil Kelly, you hear him mentioned all the time on, on this mm-hmm. podcast, um, the fabulous Phil Kelly. He uh, He texted, he sent me, I hate saying texted. It's it's actually weird, but I I, I always stop. You know, I, I he texted he sent me a text. There you I'm go. Saying text it just doesn't but people say it. He texted me. It just doesn't sound right to me. And after five drinks, it's chested he texted yeah. me. <laughs> he chested me. <laughs> he chest and uh he sent me a text and he, you know, says, uh Joe Strummer died. I feel like I just lost an old drinking buddy. Mm. something to that and he couldn't have fucking put it any better than that exactly you know it's like losing an old drinking buddy yeah you know and it was really really too bad do you know the last video that he uh uh uh, mick jones and paul simon appeared in together no it was big audio dynamites e equals mc squared watch the video okay it's a great fucking song by the way i don't know if you've ever listened to it i kind of missed the boat on big audio
2: dynamite because yeah. i worked with a guy that was the mcjones fan of clash and i was the joe strummer guy so we just argued a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> i argue i saw an interview with <laughs> i argue I, I saw an interview with uh, i read an interview with him i I forget whatever publication it was and the uh the writer the interviewer says during the interview it's like they were down in a basement and uh or a cellar and there was a street level like window or something to that effect and uh somebody's walking by and i guess they knew or they found out what was going on and someone yells in Like, get the clash back together. And he's like, go fuck yourself. Like, he just yells it out. And, like, the dude just keeps walking, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That was so fucking cool. That's great. That's great. But Joe Strummer was just, I mean, iconic, iconic. Yeah. In the role. Whether he played to 50 people or 15 people or
2: whether he was in a large theater, he was devoted to his music. And what's sad is, I think he died when he was going to get big again i think the mescaleros were on track
0: there was no doubt do something yeah there was no doubt i got a uh uh one of the not last record day maybe was it last year it was last year i got up and went to record day like i got to this record store they opened it nine i got there at like literally like five in the morning Fucking put the chair out front the only one there it's in this like it's in uh Oh, uh, I forget the name of this the town city uh next to me. And uh like I'm sitting there like a homeless person in a doorway, right? And I got there early because they had one bot one the gorillas uh gorillas not the gorillas. Gorillas released a box set of all their albums. And they listen Whoever does the marketing for that group, and I believe it's Damon Albarn, has a lot to do with it, fucking brilliant marketing yeah. for Gorillaz. Fucking mm-hmm. brilliant. They know how to get you. And they get me almost every I don't know if you see in the background, right, that, that statue right there? Oh, yeah. That's a statue of uh, 2D, one of the characters from Gorillaz, the lead singer. I had that made in the Philippines, custom made. Yeah, two of them. Wow. Wow. There was two of them, and that one is the the artist proof. That's the one that the guy made the mold out of. It's heavy, whereas the other ones were like a uh, a fiberglass, a lighter one. And I gave one to my uh, stepson because I turned him on to Gorillas unknowingly, we're driving one day, and uh, I put I have it on because I got a big mix of music, and he's like, "Who's that?" And at first, I had him listening to Corn. He loved Corn like yeah. he was all into him, right? I took him to see him, you know, the whole thing. And But Gorillaz, he just like lost his mind. Like, he became like a super fan. I think during one of their tours two years ago, he had an Instagram account, fucking had like 250,000 followers or some shit like that. Wow. Yeah. And, it, and he posted, all he posted was Gorillaz stuff. Uh huh. So, yeah, I had that made. But I'm sitting in front of the store. And the one of the other things I got that day was a, uh, Joe Strummer, Muscalero in the Muscalero's picture disc. That was pretty cool. I love it's picture like, discs. It's like a it's like a mug shot of him. He's, it's a black and white, and he's just staring at the. Uh, at the, but the fucked up thing is the 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 uh, the the hole in the middle of the vinyl is right on his nose. <laughs> I can put it directly on his nose. Better than his forehead, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a. Uh, I also got a Deftones picture disc that day you like the deftones have you ever listened to them never really listened to them um it's
2: one of the bands that kind of flew under my radar
0: yeah that was that uh new metal they called it and i we did a a show on it we talked about it in one of the pod in one of the podcast shows episodes about uh how a lot of these old metal guys don't didn't like that movement in the early 90s of the new metal they're mixing like the djs in there you know
2: you know, new metal. I, I, corn to me. That's
0: to me. That my favorite band of that movement. They're you know? not new. The, see, that's the thing. I don't know how yeah. they get lumped in there. They don't have a DJ. They don't have any. They don't rap. I mean, it's it's not like Jonathan Davis is out there like like Fred Durst. But they definitely weren't like the old metal, and I think that's no, why they got they, lumped in. You they know? were just as hard though. Yeah, like, this shit yeah. is heavy. Yeah. Oh this yeah. This shit is heavy. I mean, they don't fuck sure. around. There's nothing light with them. Yep. they're not going to pull an Alice Cooper and do an "Only Women Bleed" type fucking song. That's for sure. <laughs> what was that? Although he was, that was Alice selling out to the to the ballads. Yeah, I probably, I, I bet you he looks back now. Although that song probably made him a lot of money. Yeah, I wonder if he ever looked back and said, "What the fuck was I thinking?"
2: Okay, I know the golf course he plays on in uh, Arizona. I'll tell you
0: what it is after the show. Go up to him and say, what "The fuck were you thinking?" Yeah if i ever go back to arizona <laughs> that's actually a public enemy song going back to arizona about how they were the last state to uh to make martin luther king yeah. day a federal holiday it's actually and i'm a big public enemy fan so me, that's too. Why I said me that, too going back to arizona yeah uh yeah i saw you too uh with a bunch of my friends i was stationed in new mexico in albuquerque at kirtland air force base and uh I flew my late brother, God rest his soul, out to uh, New Mexico. Then a bunch of us flew to Arizona and saw them at uh, Sun Devil Stadium. Saw you two uh, with Rage Against Machine, backed them up. And I'll yeah. tell you what, man, we got there early in the day. And by fucking five o'clock, it was like 115 degrees. Mm-hmm. Like they were out in the pool. I'm like, nah, no, 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 no did you ever see that james wood uh uh, movie vampires it's just called vampires yeah really fucking good vampire movie they would bury themselves in the dirt like during the i was like fucking that except i closed all the curtains i like i wasn't even letting a ray of fucking sun in that room i would not walk out until the sun went down (laughs) and it was still fucking scorching hot you like Al Pacino in that movie where he's
2: in Alaska and he's keeping the curtains closed because he's a, he can't sleep and he's insomnia.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I, 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 trust me, it, it was yeah. like fucking was it thirty days of winter, thirty days of night or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's dark. I did that, man. But uh, I know
2: I was in Phoenix with my sister in July, hundred and twenty degrees. I'm now <sighs> <can't, laughs> rough. I couldn't even think of going to a concert
0: and forget that. Oh, it's a dry heat. Yeah. Now I know what a fucking pizza feels like.
2: When you're baking a lasagna and you open your oven, that's dry heat. That's you dry like it? That's dry heat.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you always go, ooh, that's hot. No, 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 no. I'll take a little or a lot of humidity. At least I get something out of it. <laughs> it's not dehydrating me like like you don't even know you're dehydrating in dry heat. You have that's no right. idea. That's true. Yeah, no idea. Until you pass out and then they're waking <laughs> you up. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> If you pass out on the cement, you're just going to be like an egg. They're going to, like a, a stretch Armstrong <laughs> melted onto the cement. They're going to peel you off. Your skin is going to stay behind. Fuck okay, Arizona. they can yeah. have it. They're going to have all that shit. Anyways, so, um, yeah, it was a sad day for me last week. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of the Happy Mondays, but Paul Ryder, the uh, bass player and Founding member, along with his brother lead singer Sean Ryder, who, speaking of gorillas, does that song there each dare. Ooh. Anyways, watch the video. Watch the I video. Think, I think you just turned me on to a new group. Yeah. Oh, you don't, dude. You will not be disappointed. Start See, from their notes. first album. Yeah. <laughs> Start from their first album. So that's my my contribution to the Music Relish podcast. <laughs> thank you listen, listen to the first gorillas album anyways okay. um and you'll follow suit all the way through uh yeah paul Ryder, um died and it was kind of weird how he died he he lives in la or he lived in la and uh whenever they went on tour he would go back to england i think they 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 were from stratford england and made their way over to Manchester. They they kind of bridged the gap, and I'll get to that in a while. Um, and uh, he got off the plane, and he was complaining, really complaining about a headache, headache. My head's pounding, my head's pounding. So he always stayed at his mother's house when he was on tour, so England would be like the central location. And uh, went to bed, And never woke up. His mom found him in the morning. And, uh, wow. Yeah. It was, it was like, what the fuck? He was only, he was my age. He was 58. Wow. Yeah. So they don't know what it was. I'm waiting to see the follow up on it. But, uh, I'll tell you what the Happy Mondays, uh, they were from Salford, Salford, that's it. Uh, they were a very, very unique group. Uh, I, I don't know if I would even go see them now without him because that's just the way I am. It's like seeing ZZ Top without Dusty Hill. It just can't, it just wouldn't be right to me, right? Stones without Watts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As much as he was the quietest one in the band, um, it's the same thing. So his brother Paul played the bass, Gary Whelan played drums, Paul Davis on keyboard, Mark Day on guitar, and then Mark Bezberry later joined as I I'd like a dancer a percussionist and I don't know if you've ever seen any of their videos or anything but Bez just kind of just kind of does that that stone roses type that just he kind of stands in place and moves around and shakes the tambourine and yep. he was a friend of the band and, and they just brought him up on stage one night during a show um I believe it was probably at the factory because that's where they no no not the factory I forget the name of the club uh, that they used to play with. It was owned by uh, by New Order. Um, oh, they were pod owners. And they brought him up on stage, uh, Bez, and he became like a hit. And they were like, alright, you're in the band. Doesn't sing. Doesn't play an instrument. He's just like a hype man. You know, uh, just like in a ska band. Almost every great ska band has that dude yeah. that just fucking dances. Just dances around with the tambourine, just shaking the tambourine. Pump it was like... Yeah, ranking Roger, who was in, um, a general public, right? And General public was an offshoot of the English Beat. Ranking Roger, he was the black guy. He always wore the hat, and he would do that. He would just like jump around the stage, do that, that, um, that ska type dance. Very quick, quick movements, rhythmic, very fast rhythm. Because that ska's like that. But anyway, so that's uh, the, the Happy Mondays were a group that came along right after. Uh, so before the Manchester scene, the Manchester scene, you had the Smiths, New Order and the Fall who became prominent in the Manchester music scene. And I did it. You know what? I did an episode on this. Yeah, I don't know eight months ago nine it was the first episode i did by myself it was the first podcast up and i was nervous as fuck i'm like how i i've never done like a solo show like i was used to bouncing it off jack and and uh so i like had all my notes and it, it was a good episode i stumbled through it i got it done i built my confidence as i went um at least he but, didn't do it on the phones Ah. Uh, <laughs> For the people that want to know that inside joke, the Music Relish podcast. No, they used, used to do it by phone, which is actually. Hey, you know what? You gotta fucking respect the dedication. Yeah, you gotta respect the dedication. That's all I gotta say about that. So, yeah, the Happy Mondays came along and they kind of bridged that gap, uh, in Manchester with that whole scene, um, between the old and the new. And they created that kind of Manchester rave scene. They, did you ever see the movie 24 hour party people? No. Watch it. It's all about and happy Mondays play a prominent part. Their story plays a prominent part in that movie. Uh, and it's basically how the Madchester, Manchester 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 scene came about and all the players that were involved. And, uh, The Hacienda was the name of the club. That's that they they, heard of that. Yeah, yeah, they got their start in the Hacienda, and Bez used to deal ecstasy in the club under the stairs. And uh, then he would go up on stage and do a show. (laughs) Then he'd go and deal ecstasy again. (laughs) They didn't care. (laughs) The Manchester music scene was so big. It was so fucking big that the University of Manchester, for like three years running, was the number one requested college by students wanting to go to college they all wanted to go there i mean you didn't hear anyone wanting to go to the university of washington (laughs) because of the grunge movement it's true you know what i mean so it was so fucking big that it's just imagine that being like in the middle of that whole scene it was so unique it was so different i I envy those guys and Mm -hmm. girls that got to live that but um Yeah, their first album was called Squirrel and G-Man, 24-Hour Party People, Plastic Face, Current Smile. C-A-R-N-T. That's Current Smile. Uh See you next Tuesday. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, And then their their biggest album, though, was uh, Pills, Thrills, and Belly Aches." That had Step On and Kinky Afro. Two good songs that you might want to listen to also. I
2: think I've heard Kinky Afro. That sounds very familiar.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Paul Ryder, um, rest in peace. You are an icon in, the, uh, in that whole scene, the early 90s. You know, out of that came like the Stone Roses. Uh, a whole bunch of groups came out of that scene. They didn't really, like, I don't get it. Like, I, I was out in California, fortunately. I think probably cities like that, like California. I was in Northern California, but K-Rock covered the whole state, right? Mm-hmm. And K-Rock was like WBCN in Boston on the other side of the coast. They're always advanced. They're always a step ahead of everybody else with music. Um, like WBCN in Boston was the first radio station to play YouTube. Like they had a good uh 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 what do you call it? Studio chief or whatever. Programming manager. Program. program director. Yeah. Program director, yeah. Uh so yeah, yeah, that's kind of uh that kind of sucks.
2: And, and again,
0: if you see the movie, when you watch the movie Twenty Four Hour Party People, I, I noticed this. I was like, Fuck. That's that's Paul Ryder. He plays a gangster in the movie. Okay. Yeah, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, my brother kept saying, watch the toy, watch it. You got to watch it. So I finally got around to watching it, because he knows I like it. He actually, for a guy that was hardcore Allman Brothers and all that, he kind of eventually came around. Now, he's going to listen to this, and he's going to be like, I always listen to that. Now, he used to dog me for listening to that shit. He used to dog me for listening to rap, and now he's a big fucking Public Enemy fan, Wu-Tang Clan fan, like, he, he, he got it. Like, he waited. Yeah. You know how you do that? I think yep. you said that last week. Like you don't really jump on the wagon. Something's hyped. If, if, if
2: Don't ever tell me, listen to this CD. It's the best and <laughs> CD in years. I'm going to hate it. I'm not going to like it. But maybe three years from now, I'm going to be like, that's a good CD. You
0: know? But, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. yeah. So, he came around, and all of a sudden, he's telling me, he has the balls to tell me, i told you to listen i'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> fucking asshole he just knows he just he throws that like get under my skin i've always listened to it. no 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 You used to he used to hate that shit but you got to give it a chance right give and we said a chance public enemy
2: was if you're heavy metal fan hard rock fan public enemy was that to me that's why i love public enemy no bullshit yeah,
0: yeah. great stuff yeah. whole different different sound different style mm-hmm but that's what stood out in rap like groups like that and yeah. Eric B and Rakim different totally different sound even moving up to Gangsta with Guru how he had that kind of mm-hmm. monotone style in his in his rapping and you know you get Tribe called Quest when Q-Tip went out on his own yeah. and had some really good shit too you know but that's another do you do you like rap yeah
2: i like you, i like my problem with rap was like any music in the beginning it was great and I, when I say the yeah. beginning, you know, in the 80s, it really be we know it began in the 70s. But it, by the 90s, you had that where it went jazzy. You know, there was a lot of rap that was sampling old Blue Note records. And I love that. Then after that, it got watered down like any music. It happened to heavy metal, you know, and then there's a lot of just, you know, the the, the rap was about drink a beer, you know, and all that stuff the lyrics of of the good stuff i mean the good rap it's it's poetry yeah
0: so, yeah there's some uh there's some good early 90s rap that doesn't really uh, i don't know if it if it will ever get the credit it deserves like the far side leaders of the new school i there's uh you know even even uh uh what do you call it um fucking uh O P P, can I think? I, why I can't think of the name of the group. I know it. Like, here we go again. I do this Me too. every uh, fucking show. <laughs> I draw a blank. Um, there's a lot of good rap in the early '90s that kind of got breezed over. Yeah, uh, that I always have on a playlist. Always have on a playlist. Well, it's because it got so something. big. Yeah, it got so big. There were so many bands.
2: Yeah, MTV was trying to push every band. So no one got really good coverage. But like. Heavy metal and like so many other forms of music, rap rapidly went down different avenues, which I appreciate.
0: Some I didn't like and some I liked. There you go. There's Lou. Naughty by nature. That's right. How could I fucking. They were one of the biggest like rap bands, hip hop bands of the early 90s. They were, And they were good. They were good. Mm -hmm. They got commercial because they were so good, which I think might have been a detriment to them. And they might have made their money. But uh, they were from New Jersey. They were, they were, they were. I think yep. they were out of Newark, maybe. Yep, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it uh, uh, Tretch and Vinny, something like that? Were the name the, their names? But uh, yeah. So I don't know where I was going with all that. I kind of once again get myself sidetracked. <laughs> oh, you're we're talking really? about your you're talking about your brother. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With uh, the English rock yeah 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 oh that's right that's right with 24-hour party people thanks for keeping me on track jack would have just let me hang out in the wind um oh by the way let me send it out hey lou uh you'll be on next wednesday by the way so clear your calendar (laughs) i'm only kidding you i'm not telling you what to do i'm not good at that i was just telling mark Uh, lou you're welcome to come on next week if you want is that better is
2: and and Tom's the only one that got away with a doctor's note. No, no one else can. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, no one else. And I got to track Tom down. So um, and if you're still around, if you're not up, you know, getting some fucking maple syrup somewhere <laughs> in, Vermont. <laughs> in
1: Vermont.
0: Hey, it's my roots. Come on. <laughs> hey, really? Are
2: you from Vermont? No, no. Uh, my grandparents. I have an uncle up there. So when I was growing oh, okay. up in Jersey, our only vacation every year, because my dad was a shoe salesman. We went to Vermont, you know, so I grew up basically. And then I've spent a couple winters up there. And I was going to say, yeah,
0: that's nicer on the holidays and shit. No, oh, yeah, stay? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I've ever been to Vermont, believe it or not. Yeah. You know, you know, what's great
2: about Vermont? No billboards allowed. So the minute you go from the New York side and you cross it, you don't see the billboards for, you know, apple yeah. cider, this and that. It's really,
0: you, you don't notice it till you don't
2: see the billboards. It's great.
0: You know Boca does that there's a there's a Costco here in Boca that you would never know if you were driving down the street. They they don't have that big Costco sign. You have to know where it is and when you turn, yeah, like you turn right off of the street and then you see the Costco sign. They made them put it way back, you know, um there's a, a gated community right across the street, and I'm sure they were losing their fucking minds <laughs> when they built that thing. But yeah. Yeah, they benefit from it. I actually got assaulted in that one time. I when I first oh. met my girlfriend, yeah, my now wife, she was my girlfriend, we went over there, and this fucking old lady, like, literally jammed me with her cot I mean, I, I lived in Hollywood, Florida, which is as middle class as it gets, and I never got accosted at a costco i got a costco she fucking hit me with the cart. like get out of the way yeah. what the fuck old lady did I you um, fuck you up
2: i don't know if you have shop rights up in massachusetts when you were growing up but shop rights are a big supermarket chain and i got it same thing back of the ankle that tendon that runs up that uh, yeah. right into that she yeah. said i got ahead of her online i didn't get ahead of her
0: <laughs> uh, just kept uh, patient just keep quiet fuck old people I mean, I, 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 mean, you know what I mean. I, I mean, no, fuck old people. What am I saying? I, the <laughs> asshole old people. Yeah, like that's them. it. There's plenty I'm of cool be a old nice people. nice old person. I mean, like, you're supposed to be nice at that don't age. Act like, don't act like Keith Richards. Act like a nice old man, all it, right you <laughs> Sorry, I'm younger than you. It's not my fucking fault. All right? It's just the luck of the draw. <laughs> Someday I'll be on that side. Yeah. On that side. <laughs> gonna say that (laughs) you know what that's a funny uh uh uh, lead in because i want to talk about um artists or bands or groups remaking their music are you a fan of that
2: no not at all if it's rearranged if they do like black crows did a double cd of all their songs but more acoustically I'm fine with that. When Journey got their singer uh, Arnold, the uh, the guy from the Philippines, yeah, and they put out their greatest Pineda, hits. We recorded yeah. a, a great singer, but and it's why I know why they do it. It's it's publishing. They want to get their publishing money, and I can. can Did they re-record it. albums with that with him? Um, So when he joined them, they put out the record company wanted them to re-record the greatest hits. Really? And they really wanted to do new music. You Neil know, Sean, give him credit. He keeps writing, you know. Yeah,
0: I always dog him, but hey, listen, yeah. the guy's fucking genius. No and he has it. an age. He doesn't yeah. age. Well, <laughs> but, uh, he has hair plugs. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and he, was, he was down in South Florida, down in West Palm, or up in West Palm to me, in a fucking summer concert that I took my wife to about four or five years ago. And he was wearing the fucking leather jacket and the leather pants. Uh, I'm like, dude, you must not have fucking played here before in the summer but he kept it on the whole show i think he used it as a sweat like one of them fucking sauna suits
2: <laughs> he lost 10 pounds yeah
0: I'm so no sure. so, but when they you know
2: they argued they did we want to do new music so they made a deal with the record company and i bought it when it came out it's a double cd i think it was like a walmart exclusive or some store so i played the first disc it sounds great i love it played the second disc you can re-record Stone in Love. You can get every note perfect. And it's kind of wasn't Ar- fair to Arnell because he's not Steve Perry. He sounds like Steve Perry, but it doesn't sound the same. So, you know, yeah. people are going to pick on him. They're going to say, this sounds like shit and all that. It wasn't his fault. So that's stuff I don't like.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So usually when a band, my fucking my I got a new microphone. I was telling Mark, I get like a really, yeah, like the, sure sm7b like the joe rogan podcast mic. all podcasters like aspire to get this mic and thank you to my to my wife the good doctor for hooking me up but anyways it's fucking keeps it's heavy for the arm she's got to get you a boom stand i got it i got the boom It's just, I have to, I don't know how much more I can tighten this fucking thing.
2: Don't break it. Whatever you do. It's a
0: very slow drop. Like, after a conversation, it goes from, like, in front of my mouth to below my chin. Oh, great. Now now I'm looking at the microphone the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta hold it up. It's, fuck. So, anyways. uh, They usually do it for two reasons. Uh, Artistic reasons and legal reasons, right? Mm, Yeah. It's usually why they would do it. There's one exception and I'll, I'll, I'll bring that up later that i found it's pretty fucking cool or it was a very good end around um so one artist that re-recorded a song for artistic reasons was Joni Mitchell right so she recorded both sides now when she was 21 and it became her biggest hit it's a fucking great song yeah um and i i i re I correct. I self corrected because I, I took Joni Mitchell for for granted uh, in a couple of conversations I had with Jack in earlier uh, episodes of this podcast, and I kind of overlooked. I was like, yeah, but then I, he's like, you got to listen to her, you know. Jack always telling me what to do, um, and I, you know what? I I went back and I was like, you know what? I was wrong. She definitely is fucking great. Oh, I is. always knew she was good. But it's one of those things, saturation, right? Yeah, yeah. Over the years now. You weren't ready for it, you know? And if you're not ready for it, you're not going to like it. Yeah, I I liked it, but it's just, it's okay, it's just what, like, you and I spoke about last week with, oh, shit, I forgot about that song. Oh, shit, I forgot about that song. You know, with bands that you go to this show, and you're like, oh, fuck. So she recorded both sides now when she was 21. And the song is about, when you're older and you look back, you know, you look back and you say pretty much now I see it from both sides, from the youth of my, uh, my life and becoming an older person in life. So she actually took her own advice on that song. She caught a lot of heat for, for writing that song and singing it. And it was just an acoustic guitar, the original, an acoustic guitar with her vocals over it. Fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, but they gave her a lot of heat. They're like, what do you know? You're fucking 21. How can you speak on both sides? You haven't been there yet, right? I fucking critics. She was an artist. She, she's she's an a artist. great, yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Uh she's one of the one of the greatest. So she's yeah. um. So it's like 35 years later, when she's she's 56 she redoes it because she looked back and said, I could have done this. I could have done that. So I could have done so much more with that song. And so in 2000, she recorded both sides now um, with an orchestra behind her. No, no, no acoustic guitar. It's a great, great version if you've never I heard that now no. it's it's fucking fantastic version of that song youtube it um so she records it in her voice of course 35 years later she doesn't have that that angelic voice that she once had and she does it in her style now like you see elton john does it your deeper yeah sound but they Cigarette. adjust their songs to it, right? Yep. Cigarettes. <laughs> Cigarettes, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually that arrangement for that song won a Grammy that year. It's, hmm. it's that good. It's that good. Yeah. Um so she went back and did it for artistic reasons. You know, just to make a great song greater. And and it's a totally it it's a totally different version. Yeah, Because of the sounds and the way it sang, but it's the same song. But she went back and said, I could do better. I could do I, better. Totally. That
2: I, when you were talking about artist re-recording, I was just thinking of you go buy a greatest hits from an artist and you realize it's not the same. They re-recorded them. That's totally for a business reason. Yeah, What she did, I totally agree with. And I have no problem in artist revisiting a song because you're right. I mean some a real artists, their first couple albums could have some amazing songs. Twenty years later, they're just like, shit, I could do yeah. so much
0: more. I do it. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you have any uh you have another example of what
2: you know what I didn't know for years? It's kind of funny was uh Pink Floyd had this uh compilation album or compilation album, sorry. Yeah from eighty two, I think yep. it was called a uh, collection of great dance yep. songs. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And i have that on my list yeah
2: and uh, yeah dave uh gilmore because they couldn't get the rights to it and i hear he played everything on it he played the drums so yeah go on he did i hear he did i i'm not familiar with that as much as i love pink floyd i haven't heard that i don't think i have but um they said he did a
0: great job with it he did uh the album has alternative versions of shine on you crazy diamond Another brick in the wall part two and money. And money was totally re-recorded. Uh, cause Capitol Records refused to give them the license to use it on that compilation, right? Yeah. Uh they wouldn't, and I guess it was Columbia slash CBS Records, is who Gilmore was recording with. So he re-recorded the track by himself, Money. Think of that fucking track, right? How much is going on there? Yeah. He did the guitars, keyboards, bass guitar and vocals and co-produced it. Um got the the guy uh uh, uh um saxophone player the original? Yeah, Dick Carey okay. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um to come in and and redo his part. Uh and yeah, he said fuck you. I'm going to do this. I'd never heard of that album. I'd never heard of that album. Have you? Which one? That one, uh, com- the, the greatest dance songs, Pink Floyd's. It,
2: it was, I remember seeing it, let's see, That I was probably 12 or 13 years old. I was really going to record stores. I saw it, I never bought it. And then later, years later, I'm like, I got all the songs, so why buy it? Now you can't find it, I don't think. And uh, you know, it might be a good collector's item to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, you see Pink Floyd and you see dance music. Uh, like, the title would just throw you off, right? I know, I know. It was a great cover. You know, you know did you say David
2: played drums on it? Yeah. So yeah. that shows how good a musician he is because the song is deceptively simple. The It's one of these weird songs where the, the, the verses are in one time signature. But then when they go to the um, solo, the big David Gilmore solo, it goes to 4-4, four, four, standard rock time. So it's a very tricky song. I could never do that as a drummer. I mean, I'm not a drummer, oh. but I mean, you know, like David Gilmore's proficient at what he does.
0: Yeah, and yeah. that's that's Nick Mason's creation too.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: the drumming—I I just pulled this up—is that the drumming is notice, noticeably different from Nick Mason's, especially during the guitar solo, with very little of the tom-tom that you heard in 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 uh, in mm-hmm. the uh, f- the tom-tom fills heard on the original. Uh, it says all songs featured in this collection are also represented, albeit not in the same mixed form. On the later collection, Echoes, the best of Pink Floyd. See, that's a fucking normal name. Yeah. Oh, there's Lou. It's in 5-4 on the verses. Thank you. The yeah. drummer knows. The drummer knows. Never fucking doubt the drummer. <laughs> the, the drummer gets overlooked oh, every time. Every time. Not Lou. Lou <laughs> will not be overlooked <laughs> um so let me see john lennon actually at one point uh was uh talking to uh what's his name it was the producer
2: so Phil Spector
0: no no the oh. the guy that produced all their albums um oh uh <laughs> You're rubbing off on me. Oh, yeah. this is bad. George Martin. Thank you. His son. I was thinking. Yeah, George Martin. <laughs> you and I are a fucking disaster when it comes to it's names. Like last buddy. week, everything's going wrong. <laughs> no, it's somebody has to be in the middle to pick up this slack for us. <laughs> it's fucking names. I don't know why. I swear it's because I had COVID fucking a year and a half ago, and I still have brain fog. At least you got I an called excuse. it one day, fog brain. <laughs> <laughs> fog brain that well, tells he, me i have fucking brain fogs you have a worthwhile excuse i'm just dumb <laughs> <laughs> so um he told him he wanted to record the entire beatles collection just wanted to re-record it because he i and, and george martin said he lennon had this fantasy he, his fantasies and his delusions were bigger than what yeah. reality is and yeah. uh he, he said to him uh even strawberry fields. And he's like, especially strawberry fields. Never did it. There are two versions of strawberry fields. If you've ever noticed, there's a slower kind of, yeah, there's, there's a slower, you could see it's probably a beat slower, a tempo slower uh, than, than the original. And it's got like a deeper sound to it. Check it out, seek it out. And uh, you'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, he wanted to re-record everything. He, I don't know if Rev- so. Revolution. There's three versions of Revolution. I don't know if I count the third one though. So you have Revolution One, which is the B side to "Hey Jude."
2: That's Yacousta a fucking great sounding. forty-five yeah. right
0: there, right? No, that's yeah. the na 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 the na 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 where yeah it's a gem like the last it's like a 10 minute song it's on the white album and the last yeah. five minutes is just them jamming mm-hmm. don't you know it's gonna be you know like it's just one of those things uh and then there's revolution number no. nine which is the original second half of revolution number no. one on the oh. forty-five. Okay, And it's a whole, like, goes into a whole I don't even call it a revolution song Or a, a It's it's a part of what was Revolution 1, but they say there's three Versions, so I, I, I'll say two and a half I, I, I wouldn't count Revolution number nine as a A version a lot of, of that song
2: I've heard people that dare to Criticize a Beatles album, and there's a lot out there They say, what else could they have put in there If they didn't have that? It took up space You know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, they 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 could fill a song. They could fill it up. Um, so yeah, Lennon just always wanted to redo songs. And and you know what? If he hadn't got killed, murdered, um, who knows what he would have re-recorded? True, because he was on his kind of like Joe Strummer, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What would have been? Because he was on his uh, his second life.
2: Well. Look, George Martin got involved with that. What was that called? Um, He was remixing Beatles songs. It was Love. Remember that?
0: Love, yeah. Now,
2: I can't help but think if John Lennon was alive and something like that came up, would he be a part of it? He might have.
0: That's a... uh, is it Love a Cirque du Soleil? Yeah. uh, Thing? Yeah. I just took a fucking piece of wood that I hang. It's this square it's like a rectangle it says i don't need google because my wife knows everything right <laughs> and i just fucking propped up the microphone this fucking thing motherfucker I'm gonna know, i'm gonna tighten this so much the fucking screw's gonna break and i'm gonna have to buy it another fucking umpty mount dollar fucking arm don't do that it's gonna hit you in the
2: glasses break your glasses it'll be a disaster
0: know <laughs> <laughs> what you need
2: 1984 I can't remember when I saw Ozzy Osbourne. It was 84, 85. He had these little midgets in robes. You couldn't see their faces come out and bring them, like, stuff, you know? You need one oh, of them to come there with the robe that on. That was kind of like the- uh, Live Rust. Yeah. Neil yeah. Young, right? Did he have that, too? He was kind of channeling Star Wars, I think, with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ozzy they had the light. Their
0: eyes were lighted up, <laughs> like the the fucking whatever they were called. And then you have those little dudes in the movie Phantasm, the little fucking, Oh man. did you ever see Phantasm? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's like some sort of hell. They're all in these little fucking, these little compressed people. Like, yeah, we just went way off subject. Yeah, yeah. we did. We that was an, an eerie movie, movie when I was young. Boy, you're <laughs> gonna die, boy. Yeah, yeah. That fucking guy, big Scottish dude. Yeah. yeah he's a classic, classic horror movie villain. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, he doesn't get the respect he right. deserves in the horror movie great villains category there you go doesn't get the respect that is a fucking cult classic absolutely yeah for me it's that and hellraiser those two movies dude maybe you and i should do a movie podcast (laughs) yeah but we'll be like what's that actor um um the (laughs) guy the big guy that did a
2: western and he did a science fiction he had a big belly what's his (laughs) name
0: that's exactly
2: you gotta exactly keep, we gotta keep IMDB up on right. our computer.
0: That's exactly what would happen. We'd be talking, you know, that guy. The guy that played in that other movie. The with, guy the, to, with the lady. With the, the lady. Guy,
2: the, the guy that played James Bond? Uh Sean Connery? No, the other guy. The other guy. The other uh, guy. Uh, you know
0: the guy that played the movie with the blonde lady. Yeah. <laughs> they're in the car. They're driving the car. That guy. You know. <laughs> See, now that might actually be pretty funny. We, we got to talk about this. That just sounds like you're at a bar. It's what I hear
2: every time I go out. I just, yeah. You remember that movie? You remember that, that guy? It's 1940 or maybe 70 or I don't know. Uh, the guy with the cap. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just goes on and on and on.
0: <laughs> we might be on to something here, buddy. We might be on to something. Um, what else? You got, you got anything else? Before in that? I got a
2: horrible example, which it could have worked out. Do you remember when Chicago re-recorded 25 or 6 to 4? Ah, I can't say I remember that. I was, at the time, I was working, uh, we were making advanced cassettes for different record companies, and I loved it because I'd hear the new stuff coming out. It was really good, yeah. you know. So yeah. I see. Now, Chicago in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, they were a commercial band. I didn't like them. I liked them in the 70s. Um, so I see Chicago re-recording of 25 or six to four, like, oh, is someone going to do the guitar solo? How's this going to sound? It's got a drum machine through the whole thing. And they changed oh. the whole rhythm where the original was. The yeah. re-recording is. Oh, that's horrible. Just hor- oh, it, and it went down in flames. It went Who down. Who sang it? Um
0: pizza it, no
2: i believe he was out of the band by then he had already quit yeah, and was doing a solo yeah. you know great basis but yeah he he took the money um uh, yeah. but yeah that was career suicide i mean they couldn't dig the grave any deeper with that
0: oh and my I, lord you know yeah. uh um jimmy hendrix I, I, I don't know if you saw the i think it was a three-part maybe more uh, uh documentary because we're going to talk about some documentaries on chicago you ever see it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And uh, uh, what is his name? One of the horn players, one of the original members. He's like uh, one of the driving forces in the band.
2: Yeah, the guy, the guy. Uh, the guy, yeah, you know, yeah. the
0: tall guy. Fucking yeah, I tall can't. guy. I think he's got a beard. Maybe he doesn't. You know, that guy. <laughs> Plays a horn. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the horn guys. Yeah, <laughs> He said that uh, they, they were playing somewhere, and Jimi Hendrix came up to him after the show and said, you know your guitar player better than me yeah terry kath Mm -hmm. I, i was talking
2: we were talking about chicago on the music relish the other week and uh if you listen to the first album there's a track called freeform guitar and it's you know it's just it's basically feedback and whammy bar stuff but if you listen to what terry kath was doing in 69 with feedback it did sound ahead of sound-wise of what Jimi Hendrix was getting. He was on to something. He was a fantastic player.
0: Dude, it's fucking unbelievable in his voice. Yeah. He had a better yeah. voice than Jimi Hendrix, too. Yeah. He had more range. Mm-hmm. You know? Jimi Hendrix is just Jimi Hendrix. He's got that yeah. cool style, He, but he never deviated from that. Yeah, that's all. Very rarely did he raise his voice in a song. Right. You know, maybe in uh, All Along the Watchtower, he gets a little loud.
2: But for the There's most few- part. A few songs where you tried to hit high notes and hear his voice crack. He had yeah. a very monotone voice. I yeah. loved it, but that was it. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was his sound, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have the artistic reasons, right? Radiohead had the like the song Nude was supposed to be on okay computer, and they didn't like it, and then they jumped a couple, they tried to put it on Kid A. There was a song they tried to put on Kid A and didn't really make it and then they put it out on uh in rainbows um uh, finally. So there's that type of re-recording where they're yeah. just not happy with it. Like they like it and then they're like, nah, we can do better, we can do better. And they are perfectionists too. Absolutely. I, and I, and I totally sure you,
2: agree with that. I totally agree. If you think you can redo it, that that I'm supportive of. Don't just
0: put it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um and I, I think you might have heard me say this that uh if you ask me radiohead as a collective is the greatest uh, uh group of musicians in the world yeah those guys are fucking masters They're scary good there's
2: a doc there's a music show that used to be on some cable channel all these concerts were done in the basement i think it's something like concerts in the basement and yeah. motor uh, motorhead <laughs> radiohead were there and that was my introduction to what each guy does it, yeah it's just amazing i thought the guy with the dark hair that Toby's just going like that like
0: he plays like five different instruments yeah there's so many rhythms going on saw it's them in, amazing saw them in concert in Miami they were kicking off a tour and he had this fucking like it was like a a contraption that yeah. he brought out on stage and he was playing it I don't know if it wasn't like a keyboard and a fucking I couldn't even figure out what it was this dude was playing that I forget yeah. his name too um but uh if you i think i've seen a video from that uh from that little show uh they do a great fucking great cover of what uh uh, uh what tom york says is one of their their uh, inspirations one of their uh and it's uh, the smiths headmaster ritual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i don't know if you've ever heard the smiths version Uh the the original version of the headmaster ritual it's great go listen to it and okay. then and then go and go and YouTube radiohead headmaster ritual okay. headmaster's ritual they are fucking just they are just lightning man they're so fucking good so good so you get the the then you get the legal reasons right yeah which usually a copyright ownership issues uh master track ownership is always contentious between the studios and the artist um a great example in current day is Taylor Swift. This mm-hmm. guy, Scooter Braun was, he, he recorded all her albums in his studio when she, her first six albums. And then she wanted to do something with it. And he's like, I own them. I own the masters. You can't, you can't do anything. I, I get paid for whatever you do. So she's broke off and already rerecorded, uh, her first two albums. Maybe on her third now. Um I say good for her. Yeah, and they're they're exact. They're exact, but it's her recording them. Mm-hmm. You know, she does, I believe, own the rights to the um to she wrote it, so she has the publishing rights, right? Yeah. I would believe. Hopefully. So she, she has some sort of rights to it yeah. since she wrote yeah. it. Um so she's in the process of doing that. Now an interesting one very interesting one is the righteous brothers unchained melody the song mm-hmm. right what is that song famous for in in today's society like in Patrick Swayze making a yes. pot with clay yeah from yeah. ghost right <laughs> so that song absolutely like, that that is the scene in that movie right yeah it's a it's a it's a cinematic like you know legendary cinematic scene and that song just fucking does it like that Mm -hmm. is the just seals it right yeah whoever the director was fucking like created a small masterpiece right there making it so iconic it's an iconic scene in a movie yeah um so what happens is song blows up right? So we're going back to, what was it? 1990? 1990, that movie came out. And uh, so the song blows up, and people start going to the store to buy it, and, well, record stores don't keep fucking records from 1966 in 1990. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to go to a used record store. In 1990, there were probably so few used record stores, those fucking hardcore dudes or, yeah. or ladies that are like, I- I'm sticking with it. There will be a fucking revival. I'm telling you. <laughs> there will be a fucking revival of vinyl, and I'm going to be the fucking king or queen of that shit, you motherfuckers. Keep going with your fucking MP3s and CDs. and Well, there wasn't even MP3s back then. Yeah. Right? So the only way you could get it is through a 45 because that song was tied up in so many legal battles or said some sort of funky legal ease that you could only buy it as a 45 Hmm. nobody's fucking buying a 45 in 1990 people were throwing that shit out yeah which i'd still throw out 45s but dave phillips big fan of the show also watches my other live streams he is the king of the 45s i call him the king of the 45s um, he probably has it. <laughs> Anyways, so what do they do? They say, "Okay, righteous brothers, it's uh, I don't know, '66." You guys recorded this. Now we want you to re-record it in 1990. So that's 76, 86. It's 24 years later, right? They want them to. Rerecord the song. I just,
2: I just wonder why they couldn't find the original tapes and re release
0: it. I guess they were lost. They probably had them, but for some reason it could only be released. Oh, somebody owned it. Yeah. 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 So um, they get the Righteous Brothers in the studio and um, Bill Medley, right? Yeah. Is that his name? Bill, and Medley. Bill Medley. Bill Medley and uh, Hatfield. Uh, what's his first name? The singer. He's got the high. Low. He's the one that yeah. sings that song. Right. Okay. Um, Bobby Hatfield. Bobby oh. Hatfield. So they get him in the studio and they record this track. Yeah, there you go, Louis. Yeah. Bobby. Uh, and they record the track. But the problem is, they don't have an orchestra behind them. They have a synthesizer, like hmm. create, recreating the sound. And also, Bobby Hetfield just can't hit those notes twenty five years later like he could in nineteen sixty six. Yeah, but they got to get that shit out on cassette and CD. And I even I do believe that back in the nineties, early nineties, CDs could come in singles, like yeah, like like a forty five. You buy one song, yeah, Mm -hmm. on a CD. A lot of them, yeah, yeah, that are fucking worthless today. But anyways. (laughs) (laughs) keep
2: the keep the vinyl 45s throw that shit out they're good if you get mad at somebody in
0: your family just fucking chinese (laughs) yeah yeah fucking chinese uh star and i don't care if you think that's racist fuck you not you mark fuck the listener you can't say chinese star that's racist that's now you're being a, a, a xenophobe fuck you and your xenophobe bullshit Anybody I'm can fucking, become a marcafo, but
2: it's okay. I'll take it. I'll take
0: marcafo. <laughs> you do seem to have a small fan club brewing from this from your appearances on the Milk crates and Turntables podcast. <laughs> um, so they go in the studio and they re record it. Oh, uh, Dave! See, Dave, you blew it. You're too honest. Dave Phillips, King of the 45, just commented, and I didn't have the 45, buddy. When I'm when I'm hyping you up, buddy, go with it. Go with it, Dave. Doesn't pay to be a fucking good guy. I want to make you famous, and you fucked it up. See? Now you just took two steps backwards. You might even just be the prince of 45s now, buddy. You should have just let me go, buddy. But he's a nice guy. He's honest. Honest, Honesty doesn't pay off all the time. Anyways. (laughs) So, they re-record this thing, and they put it out on CD and cassette. And I can't help but think... That these fucking people went out to buy that song because on the radio they're playing the 45 version. Yeah. They're playing the original version. It had a big yeah. resurgence. But you go to the fucking record store because you had to go to a physical record store. Mm-hmm. A brick and mortar place and uh, buy it. And you get in your car and you're like, yeah, fucking righteous brother. I love that. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking great song. Me and my girl are going to listen to this shit. And then you hear that
2: version. You're like the, er, the early '90s keyboards. I could had the worst
0: like, string sounds. And like, <laughs> you know? like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck? And, and 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 it. I don't think it was easy to return a CD back in the day. I think once it was opened, you couldn't return it
2: uh, because record store of the legs, Right now, yeah. Record store owner told me that. um All right, so he. He sold uh, one of the reissues of Pink Dark Side of the Moon. And there were some with uh, quality control issues. It could happen. People returned them. He gave their money back. But then when he tried to go to the rec- you know, the, the where he got the CDs from, they go, we won't take them back because we don't make any mistakes. That's why they would not. CDs were just being seen as perfect. You could return a record. You could return a cassette because they got screwed up all the time. I worked in that field. CDs were supposed to be perfect. They weren't. You could misprint, you know, you could have the wrong program, like music on it. So yeah, they won't take returns.
0: Remember for for a small moment in time, they were said that they can't scratch, like they will <laughs> never skip. Remember that? So
2: I remember some show where a guy drove through, a car over a CD and it, yeah,
0: see, it still plays. I, <laughs> I fucking, I was stationed in Sacramento and I was living in the dorms and this dude, this dude, He's shit-faced on a Friday and Saturday night. And like, I was probably shit-faced too. And we're like, you let's listen to some tunes, Mac. Because they all call me Mac, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you got? He goes, I got these CDs, man. He goes, look at this thing. I am not making this up. He goes, these fucking things are indestructible, man. And he takes it and he fucking rubs it on the wall. It starts going up wow. and down like a sponge, right? He goes, check it out, right? He goes to put it in his fucking thing and it is fucking jacked up. That it fucking thing r- is like, bu-bop, 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 and he takes it out. He's, and he didn't even look at it. It's got fucking paint and scratches. <laughs> like this thing just went through a fucking cement mixer, right? Yeah. And it spit it out the other side. This dude almost started crying. He's like, that cost me fucking like, I don't know, 20 bucks. In yeah, the they were expensive. Back then, yeah. 20 bucks was, that's, that's, those, that you needed that 20 bucks. Sure, sure. Oh, he fucking, I just could not stop laughing. I think I laughed for fucking 20 <laughs> minutes and I kept telling him, put it back in, put it back in. And he was literally moping, like drunk, drunk moping. It's oh, the worst. worst. The worst. The fucking nothing worse than a dr- a drunk moper. Because oh. they're they're just around the corner from violence. Yeah. Uh, or, they, or they're right around the corner from suicide. <laughs> it's fucking one or the other with them.
1: Yeah.
0: Like it's like they, literally they fuck it's the end of the world. Drunk mopers were the worst. Mm-hmm. Good lord. And he he held that C D like, like it was a, a dog that just died. His dog just died. Oh, fucking CDs, great. They were an investment early on when you bought a CD.
2: You, yeah. You, you planned what CD to buy and yeah. You, you, know, yep. Yep. Then they became like five bucks in Caldor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You remember the cases they came in, they came in the oh, big, yeah. yeah, the long cases. You know why they did that? Anti-theft, right? No, they did it because they wanted the buyer to have the album experience flipping Through albums, you scan them with your finger. You pull, 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 and they wanted to have CDs give the buyer that same effect. Okay, so so they weren't like down low. Like look, it was high up, and they could just look right down at them. Yeah, and there were two kinds. There were ones where they just
2: put the CD in a hole in the top of the box, but then you had ones where the album artwork was recreated on the box. Those were cool, and I think I have some of them in storage. I think I have a really one. You know, and I I couldn't throw anything away. I'm like, oh,
0: wow. This might be worth something someday. Yeah, someday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I have a bunch of albums that people, I have a collection of, I have almost a thousand albums. And they're displayed very nicely. And it's a collection of collections, as people probably listening know by now. Um, People send me their collections, and and they get played for the most part. They get displayed. They're not sitting in a basement or in an attic or in a closet. Mm Uh, people come over and they love fingering, looking, you know, flicking through them. And I have like a, a Blondie album and a Tears for Fears album and a Herb Alpert album and, that are unopened. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is worth probably 12 bucks. Yeah. But I don't care. Still, <laughs> I, I'll know someone like, someone was here the other day and they're like, why don't you play? I said, because I have two other versions that are already open, <laughs> you know, because people send me their collections and I don't throw I- anything out. I went through the same thing when
2: when vinyl was supposedly dead. And I always knew it was going to come back because that's all controlled by the record companies. They push formats. You know, I just said it's on hiatus. Get a new generation in. And uh, everybody was giving me their albums. And I couldn't say no. So I have like six brain cell surgeries. I got six alive. I got 10 alive twos or the lives, you know, only two alive twos because not many people bought that one. (laughs) But uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I think the 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 most uh, of one album I have is Sticky Fingers. Everybody fucking owned that album. And Everybody friend, owned that. Every collection I got, other to comes than a, a friend, lot, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but every collection I got, bar uh, say two, had Sticky Fingers in it, <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> and they're all in different forms, so I I could actually take like a good vinyl a nice clean vinyl and put it with the best ca- album cover mm-hmm. you know what i mean cuz they're all yep. banged up and yeah. fucking torn and the zippers doesn't work or the zip is not even there you yeah, know i don't know <laughs> look i
2: don't know i'll tell you so i have about 2000 records and when i left my first job i was given a beautiful handmade wooden cabinet to hold them in and uh we, our last place that we lived we had a fire about 2 years ago there was a fire on the roof and fire department water coming down through the whole apartment they wouldn't let me in all I was thinking my family was out, so yeah you know, I was thinking it was my guitars, my albums, fuck everything else, right yeah. yeah, well, when they finally let us go back up, the albums were spared. It was almost like a biblical thing just that part of the room and my guitars were fine my son-in-law and my son both. They ran out with everything. We got the albums we're running out because yeah, saved every single record. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, I wish I had that experience. I had total opposite. My brother, we were getting ready to have my mom. Uh, we were getting her a brand new house built on the same property, and my my middle brother decided to just take all our albums. Probably close to eight hundred. I had my own collection. My brother brother had his own collection, but we all listened to everything. Mm-hmm put them out in the fucking in one of those tin sheds that you get at home depot oh yeah yeah and well i mean back then you probably wasn't thinking anything about vinyl it was dead and the fucking roof caved in oh. on, from a snowstorm i, thought I came you were gonna home, say the home <laughs> i came home to that the only thing i salvaged out of that was a michael jackson thriller uh picture disc a billy idol uh picture disc and I believe the tubular, tubular bells picture disc those are like uh, the only things I really wanted. yeah, the rest was just fucked. I had a, a great collection of music. but
2: and all of those sheds collapsed. My father yeah, had yeah. one to collapse. they all yeah, collapsed
0: yeah yeah so you're mentioning the case that you carry the record the, the records held, right were held mm-hmm. in, in that wooden mm-hmm. case. So I started looking for like vintage shit. I go through these phases. I collect, and I'm very specific. When I collect, or I'll just be fucking a hoarder, right? So I have to be very specific. Like, right now, I'm collecting, uh, like, vintage movie cameras. Hmm. Like, uh, uh, Bolex, Pallards, Made in Sweden, Sweden, you know, like, shit like that. Wow. So um, I see on Craigslist that uh, this is probably... Uh let's see. 3 years ago, 4 years ago. You see this it's a record cabinet, right? And it's got a flat top and it's got like uh raised on three sides like a raised thing like a a, a wall, like a little decorative okay. thing, right? And you you there's two slots and you pull it and it comes down like like an oven, right? Yeah. And in there is different like there's probably five dividers and you could put probably 30 albums between each divider Mm -hmm. right so if you had a if you were doing that so i looked these things up i saw one on craigslist and the guy wanted like fucking 30 bucks for it right yeah and i forget the brand but i looked it up and the things are hard to get and it's made of really good fucking like oak i think or something and oh wow yeah and it's worth, you know, probably secondhand mark if someone that knows what it is. You can probably get a couple hundred, 300 bucks for it, right? So I look where it is, though. And it's it's on a Sunday, and, and I contact the guy, and the guy says, yeah, yeah, come over. Come and get it. All right. But I know I kind of get a sense of where it is. But as I'm driving there, it's kind of now I'm going into the hood, right? It's just this is how I'm gonna fucking call it again. If you're offended, fucking turn me off. I don't care. But I'm going into the fucking hood now. I got this fucking nice, nice Jeep, right? Limited edition, fucking Jeep Wrangler. It's the Dragon Edition. It's got a dragon on the side. Goes up over the hood. Look them up. They're fucking beautiful, right? And I got the. Uh, I'm wearing like a Larry Bird jersey the shorts, I think I threw on my Timberlands, some kind of thugging out, you know, and uh, I get out of the car, I'm in front of the house now, across the street, like to the right of the house, he's on a corner lot, then you cross the little streets, back in the, it's back in the neighborhood, there's like six or seven brothers just hanging out on a Saturday afternoon, they're drinking, they got music playing, I'm like, all right, all right, Got to know your surroundings. And I get out. Fucking Larry Bird jersey. I'm bald. Fucking goatee. Right? Kind of baggy shorts. So what do I look like? Right? I know what I look like. Right? And and, and I don't care what anybody says. The fucking quintessential, 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 quintessential white man's athletic jersey (laughs) is a Larry Bird jersey. Fucking it. A close second is a Tom Brady jersey. And I'm not saying that just because I'm from Boston. But the quintessential white man jersey is a Larry Bird jersey. Proven by watching, if you watch the movie Do the Right Thing, yes. when John Savage runs over fucking uh, Martin Lawrence's sneakers, and he's got the fucking he's living in the hood, he's living in the in the brownstone and on this bike. And he's got the fucking birds they're Like, he got the fucking bird jersey on, right? <laughs> I got the bird jersey on. <clears throat> this guy comes out. <clears throat> he's a, he's a, he's a, like a middle-aged black guy. He's got this fucking dog behind the fence, just going ballistic. Like he sees a white guy. Like he hasn't seen one before, right? He's fucking biting chain link, this fucker, right? I'm like, oh, fuck this, right? The guy, because he gets the dog, get yeah, the fuck the dog, gets the dog out, and I said, "Yeah, I'm here about the record holder." Oh yeah, yeah, all right, <clears throat> come on in. Uh, Shit. Uh, now I'm thinking Training Day,
2: right? <laughs> but were well, you gonna listen, see the little girl that you rescued? I mean, you hope.
0: <laughs> listen, yeah. Now I'm not, you know, I'm a tough guy. I'm street smart. I can fucking handle myself. Always could. So you read the situation. I'm like, is it, is this fucking record holder worth this? Because you're getting the vibes, like you're getting the Spidey senses. It's just like it's kind of maybe I'm in the I'm here at the wrong time. Right? Spidey man. Yeah. The guy's very nice. He says, "Come on in." So I'm fucking. It, it is worth it. I go. I'm going in. Right. So I go in, and the guy goes, "Yeah, here it is. Uh, it was my mother's." He's like, uh, where are you from? You get, I said, uh, I'm from Boston originally. Oh, I'm from Boston. I live in Boston. I live in Roxbury. He go, yeah, me and my brothers used to live at the uh, you know, the Mission Hill projects in Roxbury. He's like, oh shit, yeah. And uh, so you know, we're talking. And uh I go to, it's, all right, how much? He goes, thirty, you know, 30 bucks or something. So I give him the I'm, I go to give him the 30. He says, Yeah, he goes, yeah, 30 bucks. Plus, I want that jersey. And he just looks at me, like, with this fucking look. Like, giving me the fucking stare. I want that jersey, too. I'm like, fuck, no, you ain't getting this fucking jersey. You'll fuck yourself. (laughs) And the dude's like, he just looks at me. So I'm I'm ready to square up with this dude in his house, right? And he goes, "Damn, I'm only kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Motherfucker. But he tested me. He fucking (laughs) tested me. I know I got tested. He wanted to see when I say, oh, come on, man. What are you doing? No, 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 no. Fuck you. You ain't getting this jersey. So I got this shit. I picked that motherfucker up. I get out. Now I have to bring it to my Jeep and load it up. And I'm still looking across the street because I don't know if if Holmes is going to be like, yo, this guy's robbing me. (laughs) All these scenarios are running through my head. Right? I get that motherfucker. I load it in the back. I close the door. I'm like, Audi 5000 G. Right? <laughs> he starts laughing. I get the fuck out of Dodge, man. All that shit for a fucking record holder. <laughs> you still got it? I still got it. Oh, yeah. nice. nice. I still got it. Yeah.
2: So it's Send got a story a- to it. Take a picture of it. Send it to me. I want to see what it looks
0: like. Yeah, I will. I yeah. will. It's it's pretty kind of plain looking, but it's 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 where I keep all my Sinatra and Tony bennett and mm. uh you know and herb albert uh, uh albums it's kind of it's its own yeah uh, little sanctuary in there for those albums they get their special space mm. but uh so you got any more uh like cases of people doing their redoing the songs remaking the songs
2: you know it, it, i'm thinking of my uh old time in uh, making cassettes uh because, by the way, cassettes are the worst format possible. Maybe maybe a little better than A track but I made cassettes.
0: I hate cassettes.
2: And they're making a resurgence. I don't get it. No. Don't buy cassettes.
0: Anyway. I threw out a plastic bag, like a garbage bag full. No one's worthless. buying cassettes.
2: The only cassettes that are worth anything was, remember, we used to buy bootlegs on cassettes. Yeah. Save those, and you transfer yeah, to yeah, yeah. CD, you
0: know? <laughs> this had so, a lot of Stacy Q. Like, people yeah. gave me these things. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> So we
2: um, we were lucky enough to get Chubby Checker himself as a customer. And I like hearing this story. He got the rights to his catalogs. I was happy for him because a lot of these guys from the 60s got Ooh, screwed. Yeah. But he couldn't release the original recordings. So he re-recorded all his stuff. So I had to prepare it for production. That's a different kind of mastering, just preparing it for vinyl and cassette. And it didn't bother me. Like he redid the twist, but it sounded enough like the old twist. I was okay with it. You know, it, yeah. it, that's not such an iconic recording that you couldn't redo exactly. it. It's a dance and song. What I learned about him was every freaking song he put out was a variation of the twist. Yep. Like the guy, he he hit on something. Yep. God bless him. He twisted his, to the end of his life. He twisted. <laughs>
0: twisted the night away, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder how he did financially though, with all this, with those contracts back then.
2: Yeah, you know,
0: he with us personally, because when you
2: work in any kind of production, anyone that worked at Disc Makers will tell you, um, you want to deposit right up front because every artist is poor, right, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: He came in and he paid up front for it and he paid his bill on time. So he may not have been r- super rich, but he was making out. And I'm glad. I'm happy for him. I wonder um, if he got royalties
0: from the twist.
2: He may have re recorded it for the. Maybe he wasn't. And so he told me that he sold these at his concerts. You weren't he wasn't uh, gonna go get the stuff okay. in San yeah. When you sell them at the con like these older shows, people yeah. would gobble it up. They Not do. nowadays. Everyone listens on Especially online,
0: if but... he's at the table and he'll sign them and shit yeah. afterwards. And yeah. Yeah, those merch yeah. tables can bring in a good penny. Yeah. Yep. I think so, artists caught on to that they did they did and then it used to be easy
2: to get an autograph and it used to be easy to meet an artist now you got to pay for the meet and greet and i'm not doing that you know
0: yeah yeah Yeah. no doubt um brian wilson redid he he re-recorded smile right Mm. the album smile and uh there were songs on smile that were already released by the beach boys yeah and some of them they were copyright uh, mike love owned the copyright that piece of shit scumbag don't like him. fucking nobody likes him i don't think anybody likes him and i don't think he fucking cares really he <laughs> doesn't he's making I mean, a lot that, of money dude, he's made he's made a lot of money he doesn't yeah and he's what 78 now or something did you yeah, did fu- you
2: yeah did you hear when they like about what six years ago the original band was back together I heard, I don't know how true this is, but they were touring and they were all agreeing to go a little longer and he said, Nah, I'm stopping it, because I think he makes more money when it's his version of the Beach Boys. So Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and his fucking Hall of Fame speech was fucking ridiculous, saying he's better we're better than the Rolling Stones and you know, the stones are in the in the audience. But mm. I, I don't think they, they Mick Jagger probably laughed it all. He, I, he did laugh it off, actually. Because nobody's really bigger than the Stones. <laughs> just not. Uh, Mike, unless Mike. Cardi B. Cardi B today is big, is big as is the Stones. <laughs> so is Izzo. Izzo is as big as the Stones, too. Just ask a fucking 16-year-old. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, they don't even One know who the Rolling stones. stones are. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's funny. We just mentioned the Beach Boys. I didn't like them for years because of my glove. I thought they were just a square band. I couldn't stand them. And then I was told, yeah. eh, listen to the music. Start listen to the music yeah. now. Yeah, I get it. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, good vibrations. Yeah, I, I, you could go on and on with the the classic fucking songs, just great songs. Which what Pet Sounds was the inspiration for, uh, Sergeant Peppers, mm-hmm. and the legend goes, Paul McCartney and Lennon were like, oh no 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 no, <laughs> oh no 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 no. Um, so he recorded, re-recorded those songs, just so Mike Love wouldn't get a fucking penny. Good them. for him. Good so for that's him. like a, that's a spite re-recording mm-hmm. right there. That's a spite re-recording because that guy he changed them up a little bit, and Love got nothing from them. But um, I think one of the uh, probably the best, and, and I said this earlier, end around for re-recording songs is Squeeze, back in two thousand eight, and I had heard that they were re-recording like all their hits and I I think it's probably because of you know ownership rights and they were just but they didn't just they didn't do it that way right they didn't say oh we're getting fucked by the record company or you know we want our money they did an album called it was a best of and it's called spot the difference (laughs) (laughs) fucking brilliant that's great right like they 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 you couldn't even say that they were doing this because they're like, no, we just did a like a novelty album. <laughs> Spot the difference. And those guys as a group were fucking master artists too, musicians. Yeah. And yeah. everything they did. Um, I think we touched on them last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought that I think that's the fucking greatest end around of them all. Spot the difference. They 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 made it a positive because yeah if you come out and say screw the record I
2: I ah, fuck them all I I, I re-recorded because they 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 stole my money it puts a negative on the thing and nobody's gonna like it so you're squeezed with their cheeky English humor
0: yeah I used to I listen to to AOL music like before it turned into something else and it was just another regular like streaming on my phone I'd be in the pool and I just it, you just stick to it like I listen always to Amazon music right mm. some people listen to Spotify aor music had a great you know whole selection that's everything you'd hear today and i heard a version of abc's the look of love and i loved abc i still i still love their music uh one of those bands you're like oh yeah oh shit they sang that too oh yeah that one of those bands yeah and they did the look of love and there's the breakdown in the middle you know uh so, oh, Martin, someday you'll find you know true love, which was a Bowie suggestion for that song. He was sitting in the studio with them, and they said, what do you think of the song? He says, you need a talking track in there. Then he mm-hmm. just got up and left. So there's that little break in the middle of the look of love where he's talking to himself. Oh, man, Marty, maybe someday you'll find true love. Oh, I say maybe, but the one, right, does not. And I'm listening, I go, that's not the fucking song. That's not the original. You just know. I'm like, I hate that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not the, I, I turned, I, ah, it fucking turned the channel. It's it's really
2: bad with the oldest stuff. So, Milu and Perry, uh, one of our episodes, uh, we were talking, it was Lou saying Italo rock. And it was a lot of those bands, they're artists from the early 60s that were Italian from the Bronx and Brooklyn from the boroughs. It was a fascinating episode. I learned a lot. I go on YouTube and I'm checking out these songs and I couldn't find the originals. I'm hearing re-recordings. Because those bands, like the doo-wop bands or whatever, they they just had different members. So they re-record everything constantly. It was a, so it's really bad with the oldest rock and roll. And unless it's the Beatles and the Stones, a lot of these bands, you don't know what you're getting if you buy a Greatest Hits album. That's the yeah. stuff I don't like, you know.
0: Yeah, I don't like. And alternate versions is a whole different Maybe we'll talk about that one day, one episode. Yeah. But yeah. so rock documentaries. Mm-hmm. Give me uh we'll do let me see. I have one, two, three, four, five, six. How many do you have? One, two, three, four. I
2: have six too. Just do doing- it. Right. We're, we're we're hitting an hour and a half here. I'm I'm pushing you another two hour show. I, it's not good. Funny, eh? I,
0: listen, I don't even realize it. I don't think I don't think you do too. You either. I'm boring you. No. Because <laughs> I don't know. I I've had Jack yawn a couple times. I'm like, motherfucker, really? Like live streaming? You fucking. If it was just the podcast, dude. I wouldn't care. The people are watching. Well,
2: three years ago, I was getting up at five a.m. for my job. They moved me off site. I've got good parking. I can wake up at 7 30 to go to my work. Yeah. So I'm not right. going to be yawning. Three years ago, I might have been yawning at this point. <laughs> you know. And with the wine, you know.
0: So give me your first one and give me a quick rundown, breakdown so of it.
2: We can include in Rock Docs a rock documentary that was a movie in the theater. Yeah, and I'll tell you one of the first ones that I saw, and I saw it in the theater. I was 19 mm-hmm. years old. Rattle and hum. I know it's a concert film, but I consider it a documentary.
0: It's a documentary in a sense. And
2: that hit me so – and I loved U2 before that, all through high school. But when I went to the theater – and this is before everyone had surround sound at home. It comes out in black and white. You see him starting um, Helter Skelter when the lights kick in, you know, and the the crowd. It gave – it really gave a great – I know a lot of people say it was overdone. There's a lot of U2 haters – I loved it. I loved it. It was a combination of you two and America. They were paying homage to America, yeah. our music. And to this day, I can watch it and still be riveted and still get new things from it. Excellent. Excellent production. Excellent direction.
0: Did you know that that, I think it's maybe one of the final scenes when they're doing where the streets have no name and the big red background and Bono comes walking out? You just see his silhouette. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they did that like 10 times.
2: They
0: told the crowd, "Hold on, hold on." Yeah, yeah. So they, <laughs> I, I, I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating with ten, but it was definitely four, or, four or five or six. It, they Sun, they retook, redid it. Sun yeah. was it was at Tempe, Arizona, right? Tempe, the Sun yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Sun Devil <laughs> Stadium, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sun Devil, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so I have kind of an obscure one, uh, mm-hmm. but it is probably my favorite. I just, I just love this fucking documentary because it's so unique. So it's called Dig, D I G, uh, exclamation point. It was made in two thousand three, and what it is is over seven years. They followed two bands, the Dandy Warhols, and the Brian Jonestown Massacre, right. So I don't know if you've ever watched Veronica Mars, but the theme song is We Used to Be Friends. That was like the Dandy Warhols. It's a great song. If you haven't mm-hmm. heard it, write it down and, and listen to it. We Used to Be Friends by the Dandy Warhols. So it ha- So I said, I guess, let me see. It says here, 1,500 hours of footage over a 108-minute documentary dig. So I'm just going to read it, which examines the rivalry between two American bands the Dandy Warhols, in the Brian Jonestown Massacre. While the Dandy Warhols, led by Courtney Taylor, ended up filling stadiums and earning money from advertisements, Anton Newcomb was a fucking genius. Watch that documentary. This fucking guy is pure genius, but he's insane. So you don't know whether it's madness or if it's just like, that's just him being... It's really, the guy is an interesting, interesting character. So Anton Newcomb from the Brian Jones-Helmasco forged the path of destruction, right? The film offers a revealing insight into the alternative music scene and the way friendships can falter under pressure of trying to make money while retaining artistic integrity. Dig is also packed with wonderfully bizarre backstage shenanigans. The film won the Grand Jury Prize at the 2004 Sundance Film Festival. And stands is one of the best documentaries ever put out, Rock Docs. I'm telling you, it's fucking, it just, it's riveting. Like, you can't stop watching it, right? And and you might not have heard of these bands. You probably haven't, not you, but people listening. But you will when you watch this documentary. You'll get it. And I love, I actually love Brian Jonestown's Massacre. Uh, they have that kind of psychedelic rock Modern rock psychedelic sound, um, just like the Black Angels, out of Austin, Texas. I don't know if you've ever listened to them. No. Um, that I just love that psychedelic sound. I love you know I love reverb. Hmm. I love songs, guitars, reverb sound. That sound all like synthesizers, reverb all, and that's what that psychedelic sound is always has a lot of reverb in it. Yeah, but dig, watch that movie. Okay. You will not be disappointed. Okay. What's your next one? All right. So I'm going to get a little proggy on you here, Scott. <laughs> that's all right, buddy. That's your. That's right up your alley.
2: Before he died, Neil Peart, they put out a documentary on Rush called Beyond the Lighted Stage. For a Rush fan, it was heaven because he had Alex and Getty showing where they went to school together, walking around the Toronto neighborhood, home movies of Alex Lyson with his father. It's just great. To the non-fan, I, I actually sent it to some people that hate Rush, and they go, "This is a great documentary." Uh. What it showed you was, Rush as a band were best friends. They were honestly best friends, tight connection to the end, and um, I love that Neil Peart, right up until the end, kept saying, "I'm the new guy in the band" because he was. He wasn't the original drummer. Um, they are. There's very few bands in hit like. Look at the Rolling Stones. Mick and Keith hated each other, and they fight. Whatever. So many English bands: uh, Oasis, right? Kinks. They, they so much friction. Sometimes friction works for music. Sometimes it doesn't. Rush were honestly just so close as a unit, and um, they shouldn't have made it. <laughs> Getty's voice. They shouldn't have made it. You know, it's it's a very peculiar voice. I love it, but everything should said they shouldn't have any band that's sounding like Led Zeppelin but's making 16-minute songs, eh, they shouldn't make it. Um but you got this sense of humanity right up until they get up, you know, they catch up at the end. There's a hilarious scene, but you really got to watch the extras on the DVD is they got them together for dinner, the three of them, and they're big wine drinkers. And I could never keep up with them. They're at a (laughs) restaurant and Alex Lifeson is a clown. He's a guitar player. He's yeah. the clown of the group. And so you see different kinds of wine, red and white. And I'm like, how are they doing this? And I know there's some people that can do that. Alex gets so funny that Neil Peart gets the giggles. You ever get where you can't stop laughing? Yeah. And the poor guy, he's just like, <laughs> for like 10 minutes straight. It's freaking. But when you see <laughs> that, now you see not many bands at that point in their career are going to sit down together and have fun. I don't think you 2 sits down together. They might, you know, but I think that they've grown up. Every band grows apart. These guys grew closer yeah. for some strange reason than, you know, and that's what I like to see. I just like to see that there are three brothers that were, yeah, you know, it just makes you happy, you know. It wasn't yeah, all business
0: with them. What's the name of it? Beyond the Lighted Stage. Beyond the Lighted Stage. That's a lyric from... Uh, limelight right yeah yeah yep. and it's yeah. it's actually directed
2: by these guys that vh1 classics used to have a series called the metal years and it explored metal and it was actually interesting because they yeah i, I watched yeah, it yeah those guys made this so i like the way they make documentaries um, yeah. they really you know and and getty gave them access to everything those the home movie of alex telling his father i i'm gonna drop out of school and i'm gonna um be in the band now, Alex and Getty, both their parents were first generation immigrants. You saw his father like going, I'm going to kill you. You could just see it. He was heart, he was heartbroken, you know, but yeah. he, he made something of himself, you know? Yeah. And I, I learned something else and a, you know, a rush fan listening would probably say you're no rush fan, but uh, now I'm drawing the blank. All we can do is just survive. All we can do is, uh, there's a song of theirs. I thought it was some science fiction type song. Um, she so wrote about his mother being in the Holocaust. Like she was in the camps and she survived. And now when I hear the song, killing me, I can't think of the title, but um, it's on Grace Under Pressure album. When it's you cool. hear it. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. 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 Um, it's we got plenty of time, buddy. I am do no hurry. This, You can edit this out. Dude.
0: <laughs> nah, nah, fuck the editing. I decided everything I get is going to be raw, straight raw. I don't care. I've already messed up on some intros, and I just said, "Fuck it, let it go." I don't think they really care about the intro, anyways. <laughs> I, Red Sector
2: A. It was all over the radio. You oh, know? okay, you would yeah. Know it, yeah. I just thought it was like about a post-apocalyptic yeah. world, you know? Ah, I mean, and then evidently, um, his mother survives. His no, it's great. Somewhere, and they. The husband and wife survived. They got separated and they met up again. You hear stories about that. That's just amazing. So listen to that song again and think about. It. And Neil Peart wrote it for Getty. Like he made uh, the lyrics.
0: Brilliant songwriter.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, the thing about rushs in the 70s, they were proggy. All the science fiction stuff.
0: 2112, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. All that. But then in the late 80s into the 90s, Neil Peart decided to start writing about real stuff and so they he had some really powerful lyrics one song the past was about teen suicide but he did it in a way that only Neil Peart
0: could do it it just yeah. came out really good it's good so his lyrics just constantly changed you know yeah you talk about a, a rush song about a sounds like a post-apocalyptic the one song I always got that vision from when I listened to it just by the way he tells the story I'll get he tells the story is uh, Little Red bochetta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, like, you're not supposed to have a car with gas <laughs> type thing, and his uncle breaks it out, and he takes a ride, and he gets chased. I always thought it was like, you know, it just sounds like uh, something like post-apocalyptic, like this, you can't have that, you know, and he gets chased by whatever.
2: My uncle entity. had a farm from before the motor laws, yeah. yeah. And I remember being young, like a teenager and listening to that and reading the lyrics. I would lay yeah. in my bed and and being like, ah, oh, this is exciting. You It
0: know? <laughs> tells a story. It tells a great yeah. story, yeah. you know, and that song, it just, it's just to me, it's, it's I mean, all, a lot of those songs are brilliant. Yeah. Right, what are the, uh, would you say, where would you put them in the three man band? Uh, echelon top five, top three, oh, top three. Top. Let's say top 3 ever
2: like, Palmer. Yeah, i put them top three because, again, everyone's like in Palmer, for me, is yeah. big. Rush. I mean, this is basically three guys making a lot of noise. That's what's yeah. amazing. And there's a couple other three-piece bands. Don't discount. Do you remember Triumph? Yeah, Triumph. Yeah. All right, so they were always
0: called Walmart Rush,
2: right? Uh, they, were yeah. pretty, they weren't like Rush, you know? No,
0: but they kind of had a, the, yeah, I, I can see where that. I never really, but I can see this. I can hear it now, Yeah. 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 Walmart Rush. That's what in high school people used to make fun of them.
2: But their guitar player, Rick Emmett, I think he was technically better than Alex Lyson. Very fascinating guitar player. Um, I'm just trying to draw a blank. Uh, there's a
0: few trios out there. ZZ Top. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, now they're a duo. But, <laughs> but that's a trio Well, so is Rush. whoops <laughs>
2: whoops <laughs> whoops i saw i saw zz top with kansas what a great you wouldn't think that double bill would work out right it right worked out great i was with tom we saw it together okay and we drank a lot of beer that night and um great show that they fit it was just two different two totally different kinds of music so you were cool yeah. with it because it's two
0: bands you grew up with you know who opened and, for who kansas was first i was gonna say yeah, yeah probably they had their little moment in the sun in the 70s and then they lived off dust in the wind for for decades right yeah yeah that's a that's a whole uh, they also other did, uh, what, did they do carry on wayward son
2: Car- he said it right most people say carry on my wayward son it's carry on wayward son
0: yeah yeah and that <laughs> yeah. was from uh that was also used in a in in one of those vietnam movies like the guy comes back from vietnam i, I think it was a made for tv movie I forget maybe john voight might have been in it or something oh and coming home that coming, coming home? home yeah yeah okay. it was, was that john voigt he was home. in that movie yeah 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 he was he was the guy in the wheelchair right yeah 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 i think they used that song in that oh, movie okay. yeah yeah um i'm gonna go with uh made came out in, in 1981 uh decline of the western civilization decline of western civilization is that the right? metal years no that was part two Okay, okay. that was part two. Yeah, that was later. Uh, The Decline of Western Civilization is basically, uh, as they say, a warts-and-all portrayal of the L.A. punk scene with electrifying footage of the germs, X, the circle jerks, and it remains uh, probably, there's a trilogy of those. Second one was The Metal Years, and the third one, it's some different, some new kind of punk genre, I didn't know. Yeah, the third time. one kind of is hot. To it's hard to follow the first one. The metal years was good, mm-hmm. but uh, I saw X. I was working. A, I worked a bomb dog when I was stationed in Southern California. I was in the Air Force. I worked security police canine, and I had a bomb dog. So I did a lot of secret support mission, secret supports, uh, uh, secret service support missions. Okay. So I would, they fucking rented me a car, they bought me a suit. And I would report to wherever they told me to report to, like they would go through my my squadron, so you go on these temporary duty times for like three days if the president is coming in, so you drive into l a wherever it was going to be. It could be Santa Monica, it could be anywhere. But this time it was for the De- the state democratic convention, right and it was like at the I don't know, like the Intercontinental Hotel in downtown l a And so, you know, you go, and I run the bomb dog in all the places they're going to be doing, Mm -hmm. and then the Secret Service seals it off. So I'm the only one that's, I'm the first one, I'm the last one out. No one else goes in there. Uh, Once I search it, it's it's sterile until the, whatever, the the big wig comes in. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we do our mission, but then they're having an after party so they want us around. Now, I'm not armed, but I have the airpiece and the whole microphone. They give you a whole... They give you a rundown of everything that's going to be going on, but you ha- it's a controlled item, so you have to... It's just on a fucking copied piece of paper. you got to give it back to them afterwards. Okay. It's kind of one of the, with the airpiece and all that. And I have the pin that lets you go anywhere, but I got this fucking 90-pound Belgian Malinois bomb dog, right? Yeah. So, they're doing the show, and Fucking X comes on stage and starts playing some fucking saw a free show. Right? It, it was pretty great. cool. People great. coming up, oh, you know, your dog, yeah, don't pat him, please. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of bites too. And you know, but he was a cool dog. His name was Castro, right? And and don't worry, if 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 he if he freaks out at you, you're arrested. <laughs> Dude check. Well, he's a bomb dog. So it yeah, doesn't right, matter. Yeah. <laughs> Although we did psych some dude out one time. They pulled his car over on base and I was coming out of a church, an empty church. We were doing training. And one of the guys says, see that dog over there? He's going to run your car. And if he finds dope, then you're really in trouble. And dude goes, it's under the seat. So I walk up to the dude. and I'm like, what happened? He goes, your dog. I go, dude, it's a fucking bomb dog. <laughs> he couldn't smell a pound of weed if it was right in front of him. <laughs> idiot <laughs> he's like oh so i'm doing this secret service thing right and i'm in the it's it's in like their their courtyard a big fucking courtyard so the, and it's all these rich fucking donors right so they're all coming out and they are drinking, and this fucking lady has this little fucking piece of shit like yorkshire terrier right a yorkie and she puts it down Right, and so what do you think is going to happen? Dog sees my dog, and fucking terriers think that they're fucking the size of a rhino. They'll yep. fucking go after anything. The fucking dog comes after my dog. Now we're trained. Don't let your dog get another dog because now we're fucked. Like if my dog bit down on that dog, I'm fucked, right? So I have to string the dog up. I have to bring him up on both on his hind legs with the with the the, the leash. And spin them around, and I'm, like, spinning away from this dog. But this dog is fucking running circles, right? And people are watching this. So I spin the dog around once, and I spin around twice. I'm like, fuck this, and I line it up, and I fucking kick that fucking dog like a fucking football. How loud the lady screamed. <laughs> oh, lost her fucking mind, right? I kicked this dog literally like seven feet, right? Get the fuck she comes over screaming. I, die, I, die, I, die. I was like, well, you, you saw what? Um, that's it. I'm fucking. I'm suing you. Blah, 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 blah. She's just losing her mind. She's crying. There's other people like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm just watching a concert, right? I'm seeing X for free, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a private show, a private show. So I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't going to be good. Nothing good is coming to this. So two of the secret service guys come up to me and they're like, yeah, you you good? I go, yeah, but I'm fucking, I'm in, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. Dude goes, nah, we got you back, man. We saw exactly what happened. (laughs) I'm like, cool. And one of them goes, by the way, that might've been the greatest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) That fucking dog, you launched that dog. And they were fucking dying laughing. (laughs) So, So that was my ex story. And a there's, lot of stories and there's
2: nothing like getting into a concert for free seeing a concert for free whatever you're doing i mean i saw a couple for free where i was the t-shirt guy i got in the back door that is just a great feeling you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm here for free i got more money to buy drinks you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so that's my second one decline of western civilization highly recommend it what do you got for number three
2: right,
0: i'm gonna go metal
2: on you because i right. uh Iron Maiden put a movie out, and it was was called Flight 666. They toured the world. They literally toured the world with Bruce Dickinson, the singer, piloting their their aircraft. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, he's an avid pilot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and these guys are freaking hilarious. They are really funny guys. And um, so it followed them to each country. So in between, you'd see the flight path like an old movie, you know. They go to India, they go to Germany, they go you know, England, of course, and then they go over to Japan. And it's almost a letdown, because by the, by the end, they come to the United States, and they're at the Meadowlands Arena, which I grew up going to, but this is boring, Meadowlands, <laughs> you know? Um, they go to Toronto, the crowd's like dead. <laughs> You're not know, just Canadian. Um, but uh, <laughs>
0: Fucking Canadians. It,
2: it showed, another one, it just showed a band behind the scenes, like uh, working together. And um, I love seeing... The um, the mechanics of a tour, what it takes for these bands, to tour, which is phenomenal, especially a band with a big stage set. Just the logistics of everything. Of course, they have they have two stage sets. They have to have, you know, there's one on the way. There's one setting up. Um, That's what I liked about that is you see the itinerary. You see behind the scenes. You see I love seeing the manager with him and he's in the new city and he's doing, you know, all the paperwork and lining up stuff it's a corporation yeah not yeah. not not corporation like they're all about business but it's a, it's a running corporation yeah. on on wheels and everything has to be spot on and that's what i yeah. loved about that just crew got to get that thing up the band has to do this by this time uh everything like, it's so well oiled machine it's it's and those yeah. tour managers uh, god bless them they're good
0: that's it all right i'll take your uh your metal dock uh <laughs> And who was that? That was, uh, what band was that? How oh, can I forget? He just told me. Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, yeah. Yeah. Bruce Dickinson. I'll take your Iron Maiden and I will raise you a Metallica, some oh. kind of monster. Mm. Yeah. I That's love an that. intense, intense yeah. fucking documentary. It came out in 2004. Uh, and what a time for the fucking documentarian to be there. Yeah. Like Jason Newstead leaves the band. Fucking Lazarus and James Hetfield are fighting. Hetfield goes into fucking rehab. They have to test out new bassists, right? And there was yep. a scene where they were bringing in new bass players like they were auditioning. And one of them was that dude fucking like, I think his name is like uh, Iggy or Sque- Squeaky or something like that. He was the bass player for uh, Marilyn Manson. Okay. Really weird looking skinny little dude, man. Um, and I'm like, this, <laughs> no way! This guy is going to be a Metallica. I don't care how good he is; he just doesn't. No, nah. he's not this style. But you see all, and then they they settle for uh, Trejo, um, um, Danny Trejo. Name? No, no, no Tru- that's the actor. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. uh,
2: Trulio. True Trulio. Trulio. Yeah. Trulio. Yeah. The scene. Do you, how about you? Remember the scene when he's told
0: he's got the gig? it's, oh, it's it, fucking he, great. It's we're like, gonna holy. write you a check right now for one million dollars. Right <laughs> yeah. there, they wrote it We can say we're gonna write you a check for one million mm-hmm. dollars. Go take care of your family. Go do what you gotta buy. With it, you know, set your family up because you're gonna be on tour now. Yeah, like right at the table, they fucking yeah. wrote him a check for a million dollars.
2: You're joining, in the band, joining Metallica is like joining the Rolling Stones. You're part of a, a, a establishment. You know, yeah. he got
0: it. He got it. Did, Did you ever see it? his son? His son played yeah. bass. His son came on and played with, I think he played with corn. There's a video on YouTube of him, you know, because they're they're friends, I guess, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was a corn concert. And the, dude, the kid comes out with you know playing fucking bass, you know, on one of the. And it's like, what the fuck, kid? Like this kid, he was fucking 13, 14 wow. or something at the time. I think. Yeah. This kid was like a fucking prodigy. Mm. Unbelievable. I yeah. guess when your dad does that, right? You know, so, following his
2: footsteps. There's there's another scene in the movie too when I think Lars and I don't know, two two of the guys, I think Hatfield was already in re, in uh in rehab, but they go to see Newstead's band, Jason Newstead's band, oh, yeah, and he yeah, wouldn't yeah. come yeah. out. he wouldn't come out and say anything. To, and Lars is like, "I think he's mad or something." Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh shit, Sherlock!
0: Yeah. I think he 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 made enough money with that band. He 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 doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't want for anything at this point. I'm but sure you, can, he, you
2: can never hear him on any of the albums. They mixed his bass down so yeah. far.
0: You know? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Um, and I'm not I'm not the biggest Metallica fan. They they actually my generation because when I was a teenager is when Ride the Lightning came out, and I liked them then. I kind of softened up on them, but I don't care. That documentary was so good that. If I hated the band, I'd still like the documentary.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what else you got?
2: Well, I'm going to give you a half-assed one, and this is why. Because I just started watching it two days ago. I have everyone telling me I got to like Fish. Everything I've heard from Fish, I don't like them. They're boring. Uh, And Trey Anastasio, I said, he's boring. So I turn on uh, Prime, and there's a movie, a documentary about him. I said, all right, let me give him my stepson – uh, my stepson, my son-in-law, just lo- he's always trying to get me to listen to him. I started the documentary. I'm not going to go out and buy any Fish albums, but let me tell you, I'm a, I am found a new found respect for the guy. He's living a magical life because he lives in Manhattan. He writes his music. And he pops in the car and he drives up to Vermont to the barn and he records. What a life! I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. and he's a genuinely cool guy. I, I got that he wasn't stuck up of anything, and he's got a great relationship with his mom. He walks with her, talks to her. Uh, I don't know the name offhand, and I only had six hours to prepare. So you know, I suck. You know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to finish it. It's very long. Uh, I watched it when I was on my exercise bike. But another another example of sometimes a documentary can make you appreciate an artist you think you hate (laughs) yeah yeah. so again i not going to go out buying fish albums that's not going to happen anytime soon i always thought they were just boring and i i still think that
0: (laughs) yeah um this was a this is 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 a a brilliant intriguing story but it's a documentary that tells a story and it came out in 2012 and it got a lot of it's got a lot it got a lot of uh a lot of press, a lot of uh accolades searching for Sugar Man. Mm. Did you, did you ever hear about it? I heard all about it. I haven't seen it because of the hype. I wanted to wait. Yeah, it's worth watching. It says one of the most inspiring music documentaries of modern times is searching for sugarman, a Swedish British production about a lost relic of the American folk scene, a folk sing, a folk singer called Sixto Rodriguez whose work was a significant part of the soundtrack of the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa Uh, Malik Benavadis film reveals how Rodriguez's South African fans initially assumed that their idol had died before discovering he was actually working as a builder in Detroit the success of the film it won an Oscar for best documentary Uh, rejuvenated Rodriguez's singing career the documentary was uplifting and touching but there was a sad pre-script and i won't say it oh uh, well actually um the guy who made the film uh was just 36 and he killed himself 2 years after the film came out
2: really i didn't know yeah. that um, yeah
0: he killed himself in stockholm so searching for sugarman uh, fucking it's it's so such a fucking great story, yeah. And that 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 was like literally just scratching the surface, like the corner of a surface. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. this, how deep this documentary goes and the twists and turns that it takes. Wow! And it shows how one side of the world—you never know what's going on. True. You never know who's listening. Like you know, milk crates and turntables. I heard it's big in Swahili. <laughs> Swahili land. Yeah, we're yeah. fucking huge over there. Yeah. Who would have thought? Music Relish has <laughs> New Zealand listeners. See? There you go. Like you what? just never know. I like
2: Lord of the Rings, so it's all good, you know? So
0: <laughs> just don't watch the new Amazon <laughs> fucking Don't Don't uh, tell yeah. me they
2: fuck did they fucking it uh, Oh uh,
0: it's not even Lord of the Rings, it's nothing even close. We'll talk off air about okay, that one. Yeah, yeah. I'll send yeah. you a couple videos you can watch on uh Okay anyways, <laughs> go on.
2: Okay. Um John Lennon, give me some truth. I'm very selective with any documentary about anyone from the Beatles. There's so many of them. Some of them are just, eh, you know, it's too many. So I started watching this going, eh, I'll give it a whirl. It's about him recording the Imagine album at his house, home studio and riveted. It shows, See, as we know, John Lennon was a complicated guy. And it shows him behind the scenes. It's more behind the scenes talking to everybody than the actual music. Although you see a couple good, he has a couple good arguments with Phil Spector, which is always fun to watch, you know? <laughs> um, but like the scene that I remember that I liked was um, he had George Harrison come in to lay a guitar on one song. And so George Harrison walks in now. This is at that time they all had their angelic hippie looks. So George Harrison comes in with his long hair. But when they sit at the table, the two of them, you see, two young kids from Liverpool. You see the old chemistry, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you also f- don't forget that they broke up. Well, there were, yeah, there was blood bad stuff between him and McCartney, but they still talked, you know?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. watching Lennon try and record some of the vocal tracks and he was getting so frustrated and we know he had a temper. Just you. You didn't want to be, thank God I wasn't in that room, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, just, a, it showed the human side of him. I find him fascinating. And that that's, um, 25-hour documentary, Get Back, there's scenes in that too where you'll catch John Lennon looking at Paul McCartney talking. And it's such a look as, does he want to kill him? Or is he going to yell at him? And he's just, he changed minute by minute. Like, you know, Yeah, I I really like this. I discovered later in life that his personality, I I really like it. Um, But that is a fascinating, it contains a lot of footage you've seen in other, movies like the lennon movie the imagine that they put out 20 years ago there's a famous scene where the guy was hiding in his garden and they bring him in and he gives him tea and he gives him food and the guy's like asking him questions about lyrics and he goes they're just lyrics yeah you're just fucking lyrics don't read too much into them you know and i love that that they said that you know because this he saw this guy he could have been dangerous
0: you know he could have been yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he ended up meeting somebody that was dangerous. Oh I remember. George Harrison. He. Oh George Harrison yeah, yeah I mean yeah. I thought Oh cool. Lennon too. Yeah Lennon I thought was, yeah um Yeah, yeah lyrics like Steely Dan has their own they have a name for the way they write lyrics. It's I forget I'll, I'll come up with it later. Um but it's like it's nonsensical like if you listen to Steely Dan lyrics but they do it like almost uh uh like purposeful like they do it on purpose yeah they're being and cute yeah yeah but that's their yeah. style of writing so it mm. kind of worked for them yeah right because i'll tell you another one that has fucking lyrics that make no fucking sense most of the time but he's uh he's bruce springsteen oh my god <laughs> fucking lyrics dude gotta, i mean just listen to the lyrics on fucking thunder road or <laughs> you know Whatever, his fucking lyrics are like what? Like, uh, if you just read it, you're like this. None of this. It's just a series of great, like little quotes, or little sayings, or little shit he put together. It's never really. Hey, uh, why doesn't he play Glory Days anymore? Why did he? Why did he stop playing Glory Days? What is that song I, about? I saw him do it live, and it didn't sound good live. To, to tell you the truth, some songs don't
2: go. I heard there was so something,
0: good. some story behind it. That song and he just didn't play i don't know it's one i thought it was about he
2: just hung out in a bar and he's gone through a midlife crisis and he's watching a baseball game oh that's the video okay yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah i like i like his lyrics but again i you know what i get it people that don't like it i am not gonna argue
0: (laughs) they asked him uh uh, this isn't on my list but uh darkness on the edge of town the making of darkness on the edge of town is a great fucking documentary yeah it's a great documentary (laughs) um and uh they asked him at one point about 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and they're like, what does that mean? He goes, I have no idea. It doesn't mean anything. It just sounded like something cool to say. <laughs> 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Doesn't, there's no re- rhyme or reason why that came out the way it came out, but it came out good. Yeah, That's right? actually one of my favorite songs. You know, one of my favorite songs, by, you know, I get three like favorite songs is Tunnel of Love. Fucking love that song. Oh, yeah. Right? Tunnel of Love is a great fucking song. It was now, those hated. are pretty good lyrics. It Those was lyrics hated I when give now
2: too people the Springsteen fans hated that album yeah I loved it I it's a great,
0: it's a good album that's yeah. a fucking good album uh candy's room it's one of his shortest songs right it's a simple song yeah but it's a fucking great song yeah. candy's room I love that and then there's the uh the epic song that's on uh born to run uh Jungle Land, Jungle Land. Yeah, yeah yeah I mean so evidently the uh after clarence died uh springsteen wouldn't play that song like it's like i can't i can't play that cuz that is the greatest sax solo in music history yeah yeah it, it just is it proved me wrong I, i'll always say prove me wrong that's the greatest sax solo i think john history. coltrane beat him on a few songs but that's a- there you go that, but that's john coltrane's I'm thing joking, like jazz <laughs> yeah but you know um he he finally played it, and Clarence Clemens' nephew mm-hmm. toured with him. Yeah. And he played it. And he's, I guess it was just kind of one of those real moving types of moments because I'm sure he made sure you got that. You better get this fucking perfect.
2: I'll Make tell your you.
0: uncle proud type thing.
2: Yeah. And I have a DVD of Bruce. I think it's Hyde Park or Glastonbury. No, Hyde Park. And it was probably the last tour that Clarence did. And you could see he wasn't doing good. He barely moved. Like, I heard his knees were messed up, and and it was so painful to watch. But he still played. He could still play the notes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He had a jazz club in Hollywood, Florida. And I lived in Hollywood. Uh, Clarence Clemson. And I never, like, I never went. Like, I was like, I should have just fucking, at least always hindsight.
2: Yeah. Should have just. I wanted to go to Ron Wood's club in
0: Manhattan. Never did it. Should have went. Woody's. Yeah. 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 Um let me see next one I have is uh sound city real to real came out in 2013 the Dave yeah. Grohl documentary yeah uh basically I'll read it Dave Grohl uh once joked that when he entered the famous Sound City studios in Van Nuys, Los Angeles he was shocked at how much of a dump the famous recording venue would become since its glory opening in 1969 when the studio closed in 2011 Grohl bought the Neve 8028 analog mixing console and decided to produce and direct documentary in tribute to the famous studio that he said really did change my life forever. The documentary includes interviews with console inventor Rupert Neve, Neve, right? Yeah. And lots of musicians who use the studio, including Tom Petty, Paul McCartney, John Fogarty, and Neil Young. We're all, uh, does it. I actually, when I started getting back into vinyl, I bought that soundtrack. It's a fucking good soundtrack yes i love the stevie the stevie nicks cut yeah on that and it was all mixed on that on that board yeah yeah you know and it's it's just a really entertaining uh sometimes funny uh documentary called sound city
2: it's um it riveted it was riveting because i didn't realize how many damn albums are recorded in that studio right albums that i love and albums that i like rick springfield recorded there so there was pop stuff being made there yep uh, fleetwood mac left a lot of razor blade marks in that studio um you know <laughs> uh just it was amazing and kudos to dave Grohl. Love a lot of people hate the guy he really cares about this stuff and what he did was yeah. amazing he kept that legacy going
0: yeah yeah he appreciates he appreciates the history yeah you know and i'm sure he said i gotta have that fucking board too yeah. I mean, you're yeah. never going to, I mean, that thing just has so much history in it. Just own it just for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, how nice. many great mixing boards fucking just went, got destroyed uh, with studios? You know, uh, like I'll old Motown you. studio. I, I don't know if that's the case, just kind of throwing that out there, but, you know, old mixing boards that recorded some of the greatest wow. music that they didn't know was going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a mixing board, right?
2: Yep. Um we discussed on Music Relish, uh, Perry brought up uh the Rolling Stones mobile. You remember that's, yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Time. Yeah,
0: on the on the podcast. Yeah. And uh
2: we were thinking like, you know, where is it? Where is it? I thought for sure, you know, it's like in somewhere in England. Eh, it's in Canada. They made a museum out of it. You can go visit the thing.
0: Wow. I would love to see that. I mean,
2: yeah. Led Zeppelin stuff. Oh, he listed yeah. the bands and I, more than I thought, you know.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so what else you got?
2: I got one more. Yep. There's a documentary on you, you know, you've heard of Muscle Shoals Studio. Of oh, course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Did you see that documentary? I did. What? I was fascinated by it. Yeah. I didn't know about the whole thing of uh, the, the guy that started it, you know, and then the, the musicians by the studio and he becomes a competing guy across town. I found it so fascinating. I know what was recorded there. Um, but, uh, I, it could have it went belly up if it wasn't for the Rolling Stones. I think they're the ones that say Muscle Shoals. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, here's the Swampers. They own the studio. The they're Swampers, a bunch of musicians. Yeah. Musicians yep. don't know what to do. We don't know business. You know, that's
0: just a playground for them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is, right? Play, <laughs> they bought a playground. Yeah. And I learned something about the Swampers. I mean, you look at them, it's almost hilarious the way they look. Like these guys are playing behind Aretha Franklin they look like nerds, you
0: know? Yeah. <laughs> Roger Hawkins. Great drummer. Yeah. It's like, uh, there's a great documentary. I didn't have it on my list, uh, in the shadows of Motown
2: mm.
0: about the, uh, the jungle brothers, the funk brothers, yeah. the funk brothers, yeah. right? That's that's another phenomenal fucking documentary. Like there's so many, like we could do every show you come on, we could come up with three document rock documentaries. Yeah. That's yeah. man. We'll do that. Every time you come on, we'll have three at, they will finish three documentaries. Right. Like rock rock documentaries to me are like
2: my favorite kind of book besides horror is rock books music books any yeah. kind of musician I don't care if I don't like the musician but they say the book's good I'll read it and yeah so between that so I I was on overload when you said we're kind of rock rock docs it's like a thousand of them I had to start thinking
0: <laughs> yeah you did see you're like that's a good lineup this is I <laughs> like this that's and good I'm stuff. like holy shit. What am I going to (laughs) think? Exactly. And I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it up because there's so many. So I I saw this uh, one probably, it came out in 2014. So I think I saw it probably around 2017. Um, And it's called uh, Looking for Johnny, the Johnny Thunders story. Uh Right? So Uh basically the synopsis is central to the story of legendary New York City proto-punks the new york dolls and later the leader of the talented but short-lived heartbreakers the enigmatic johnny thunders inspired glam metal and punk yet his career was blighted by chronic drug addiction and he died in mysterious circumstances in new orleans in 1991 in the gripping looking for johnny director garcia uh, danny garcia uh traces the arc of a surprisingly complex life from from thunder's early years as a shy Baseball during teen to his poignant latter years battling narcotics and uh, Luke MIP whatever the hell that is some disease, but there is a serious mystery in there. Mm. There's a mystery in there in that in that documentary that you I I won't even like begin to touch on it. You have to just watch it. What was the name of it again? uh, Looking for Johnny, the Johnny Thunder's story. Okay. It's so another documentary about one of the New York Dolls. Uh, Arthur Kane was it Arthur Kane? Arthur Killer Kane, I think so. Yeah, Lou, Lou. I think it was Arthur <laughs> Killer Kane, and it, it's it's basically his story, uh, and he's he's dying. He died of of I think leukemia or cancer. Okay. While they were making the documentary, so they kind of went through, and I think he got together with some of the New York Dolls, but I don't think David Johansen showed up. He really and distanced, distanced himself. From that group for some yeah. strange fucking reason. And I, I got to look into that. Uh, maybe there's something out there, but he really did distance himself from them. Um, maybe because he wanted to have his own thing. And David Johansson's career was kind of clownish, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Buster Poindexter and, you know, I think his, uh, it's kind of like a Tim Curry kind of yeah. career. Good correlation. You know? Yeah. Tim Curry had a, I, I love that song Working on My Tan. Tim Curry just, I liked him better than David Johansson though. <laughs> Tim Curry had a couple of good songs. It's, it, when he say? It's invigorating. One of the songs <laughs> something like, it's fascinating. I forget the, the, the song with, I, I like Tim Curry. Tim yeah, Curry.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just a great dude. All right, buddy. So let's move into top 10 this week. Top 10 songs. Good documentaries, by the way. Good list. You had a good, nice. I'm surprised Same we right didn't here. have any crossovers. Like right away, but there's so yeah, many right. of them. Right? That happens on the uh, music rolls. We always, cross.
2: And they were, yeah, yeah. I would assume, and They'll actually, see me we are like actually crossing stuff off. Like, damn it, guys,
0: damn it. Yeah, actually, we covered a lot of different genres in those too. We didn't, yeah. we kind of kicked around. So, all right, top ten this week in 1978. At number ten this week in 1978, or the week ending August whatever 1978. Number ten is still the same. Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. This is a fucking good list. This is a pretty cool fucking top 10. Uh, It really gives you an appreciation of how great the music was back then compared to today's shit. Uh, Number nine, Love Will Find a Way by... Oh. Uh Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Three, two... One. I'm off it. I'm off the show. Ah. Pablo Cruz. And I love Pablo Cruz. Tom's yeah. going to kill me for that. Ah, all right. You better fess up to him before he finds out. I'm sorry, cut, Tom. Cut it off at the ankles. <laughs> Number eight this week in 1978. Hot-blooded by Foreigner. Number seven. And, 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 fuck me. Let me drink some water. Hold on. Did I just go? And I, and I, and I, and I, and. I. <laughs> what fuck was now. that? The <laughs> fuck was that? Drinking my water out of a mason jar it looks like fucking moonshine, doesn't it? I'm sure it is. You're in for not, not 31 years sober, buddy. I ain't going back. <laughs> not for this show. If I do it, I'm doing it for a whole different fucking reason. Not for this show. Uh, number seven this week in 1978. Used to be my girl. Bye. She used um, to be my girl. Oh, man. I'm drawing a blank. The OJs. Oh. And it's actually used to, as in U-S-E-T-A, uh-huh. be my girl. Used to be my girl. Number six this week in 1978, the great, great classic 70s song, probably in the top 10 greatest seventy songs ever for radio Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. Oh. Did do, do you yeah. ever turn that song off? Never. Do you Never. ever turn off? Speaking of Dave Grohl did a great remake on it. Instead yes. of uh he's gonna give up the booze in the one night stands, Dave Grohl says he's gonna give up the crack in the one night stands. <laughs> kind of changed that lyric. Yeah. Uh which Dave Grohl loves doing covers of those songs. We again, yeah. showing appreciation.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh number five this week in nineteen seventy eight. Shadow dancing. Bye. Mm. Mm. You're killing me. Oh my Shadow god! Shadow dancing. Can I just go on Google? Real no. Quick?
2: <laughs> I'm. I'm just reaching for my drink. Huh? No. Uh, no. Andy. The
0: oh. late Andy. Yeah. Get well. Three out of four. It's the late now, right? There's only one left. No, one left. Who's left? Is it Maurice or is Barry. it uh, Barry? The singer. It... Barry. Yeah. Oh, he's the mm. only one. Okay. And he can still hit the notes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, number four this week in 1978 last dance by Donna Summer number three this week in 1978 Greece by Frankie Valley. I love that song. number two this week in 1978 Three times a lady the Commodores and oh, number how,
2: one how did, how did Eddie Murphy sing it? three times a lady
0: <laughs> That's right Buckwheat right <laughs> yeah Buckwheat sings. It's a great video. Buckwheat Sings. Um, number one this week in 1978. Maybe the not so great Miss You by the Rolling Stones. Nah, it's a great song. I it's still love that song. song. I, love it. it's, I it's, still it's, love that song. It's That's a hell of a top 10 right there. That is. All right. Move on to this day of music.
2: Yay. There's have some interesting
0: side notes on this. On some of these. On this day in 1963 the Beatles played their last ever performance at the Cavern Club in Liverpool. During their set, a power cut silenced the instruments and plunged plunged the the cavern into temporary darkness. Lennon and McCartney, check this out, performed an acoustic version of When I'm 64, Mm. a song they wouldn't release until 67 while waiting for the electricity to come on. Wow. And John Lennon, I mean, Paul McCartney wrote that song when he was like fucking 12 that's amazing 64 yeah it seemed to come from from that era (laughs) fucking i was there that's an i was there moment yeah right yeah yeah so all right on this day in 1963 speaking of the beach boys from earlier the beach boys released surfer girl the first song brian wilson ever wrote and the first one he ever produced on this day in 1968 the two day Newport Pop Festival took place in Costa Mesa, California, with Alice Cooper, Canned Heat, the Chambers Brothers, the Charles Lloyd Quartet, Country Joe and the Fish, Electric Flag, James Cotton Blues Band, Paul Butterfield Blues Band, Sonny and Cher, Steppenwolf, and the late great Tiny Tim. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Over 100,000 fans attended the festival in 1968, and it was always pretty mellow, I'm sure. Yeah. On this day in 1968, the Doors started a two-week run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with, give me a guess. 68. In 1968, number one for two weeks. Touch me. Nope. Hello, Uh, I love you
2: ah the the kinks rip off
0: (laughs) yeah yeah the group second us number one hello i love you was also in the top five at the same time as now maybe i already did an episode on cover versions cover songs but maybe we could kind of incorporate that whenever you and i do a show Oh, kind of incorporate some cover great cover songs uh it was on the charts the same time as Jose Feliciano's version of Light My Fire, I fucking love that version. Me too, me too. I fucking, that is one of my favorite cover songs ever. I don't know, I really don't know which one I like better. Because the the Doors version is beautiful. That's a beautiful fucking song, Mm -hmm. right? But Jose Feliciano makes it his. Oh yeah, It's just so fucking good, man. So it gives, uh, giving the doors two songs written by the group simultaneously in the top five. On this day in 1969, Creedence Clearwater Revival released their third studio album album, and first U.S. number one, Green River. It was the second of three albums they released in a year. That's amazing. Yeah. If they had stretched, stretched it out, maybe their career would have been longer or the brothers just would have imploded anyways. Yeah. Right. Uh, The first one being Bayou Country, and the third being Willie and the Poor Boys. The album featured the title track, uh, Green River, and Bad Moon Rising, both of which were major hits in the U.S. They had a lot of hits. On this day in 1971, Paul McCartney announced the formation of his new group, Wings, with his wife, Linda, and the former Moody Blues guitarist and singer, Denny Lane. Uh, on this day in 1973, Stevie Wonder released his 16th studio. Now, I've always said this. I've said this on the show a number of times. I've said it on Facebook, and I've caught shit for it from people. Ah, you don't know what you're talking about. I think I kind of know what I'm talking about when it comes to music, but I mean, I'm no music relish guy. But <laughs> I, love saying that. I love putting Ding. you guys. I put you guys on the biggest pedestal, man. Um.
2: <laughs> you hear is. that on the show there it is there we, it is we do that for tom when i mention artists i'm not supposed to be mentioning
0: <laughs> so. um stevie wonder is the most talented artist musical artist ever fucking he, ever
2: he's up there with classical composers just this his guy, sheer
0: talent yeah right here alone stevie wonder released his 16th studio album in 73 uh inner visions mm. wonder played all of virtually all instruments on six of the album's nine tracks yeah. and the singles from the album were higher ground in my absolute favorite stevie wonder song it's a fucking masterpiece living for the city mm. doesn't get played enough doesn't get played enough it's a fucking great story it's a great groove it's a i saw him do it uh and you can Google it. I mean YouTube it uh on Saturday Night Live, I think he did the live version of it. Oh, okay. But um and uh he's Mr. Know It All. But Living for the City is a fucking masterpiece of a song. Uh and it goes, it has breakdowns, it has different yeah. I like 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 the Beatles Sergeant Peppers or Strawberry Fields. Uh uh has different like uh breaks in them. Yeah. You go to a whole different place. And then they somehow circled back Uh, living in this living for the city does that on this day in 1985 tears for fear started the three week run at number one on the U S singles chart with shout the duo's second U S number one on this day in 1985 drive by the cars was re-released following its dramatic use on TV during the live aid concert. All royalties from the record went to the band aid trust. I don't know what they mean by dramatic use on TV. I watched the I watched the uh the, the video. I mean, Ben Orr was dude, that dude was a fucking he'd never got he, enough credit.
2: I was just gonna say the same thing. He sings some of their best songs. And again, yeah. Candio, he showed he shined. The video for Drive was dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're talking about, you know? Great I don't know. video.
0: Yeah. But it, that was already released though. I think it, I think it came every... out with the video came out with the song. Yeah. I think like every T V
2: show for years would use that song in the heartbreak moment where Yeah. Jack and Lisa uh Jack and Lisa split up or something and you know, they have the breakdown. Yeah. So yeah, that's
0: what they're probably talking about, but it is good song. Ben Or is the Christine McVee of the Cars. Yeah. It's yep. not a bad song that she sings, Christine McVee. Yeah. I actually like her better than Stevie Nicks. I like her songs better. Stevie Nick's songs are a legendary But Christine McVie's songs are fucking, they are just as good. I don't care what anyone says. She
2: was very conservative with her output. She wrote a song, had to be good. So if she only came up with two songs, she came up with two songs. She she was very careful with her songwriting. Excellent songwriter.
0: This one's a little weird. This might explain why Bill Wyman never came back to the Rolling Stones. Like, never came back. Right? They didn't even, like, reunion towards, they never asked him to come back. He said he retired, right? But they never fucking truly retire. Right now,
2: no. he did a big band thing, he had a jazz thing going.
0: Well, he never went back to the Stones. No, no. So, on this day in 1986, News of the World, the News of the World in the UK, printed an exclusive interview with 16 year old model Mandy Smith, who revealed she had been having an affair with the Rolling Stones' Bill Wyman for the past two and a half years. Ooh. Dude, she was fucking 16, 14, 13 and a half. That's why that motherfucker never came back. They were like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye, Bill. You're not fucking bringing us down that fucking nope. that trap. Wow. No, 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 no. You're not that important. You're just a bass player. Explains yeah. a lot. Yeah. He just disappeared from their whole purview. Mm. Right. Never a mention of him once he... And then I guess his son fucking weirdly ended up dating that girl's mother. It's, like, what the fuck? That's a strange double date. Son, yeah.
2: how's her mother?
0: <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like Louis says, Gary Glitter part three. Yeah. Who was part two? <laughs> that's what I want to know. A lot. I know, because, who's part two? We don't know. There's a lot. Yeah, he'll he'll <laughs> let us know. On this day in nineteen eighty seven, Def Leppard released their fourth studio album. Do you know what it is? Def Leppard. Okay, so you got first one, High and Dry,
2: Pyromania. Yeah, the one with all the freaking hits, uh Pour Some Sugar on Me. Uh Big Part of my Youth, and I can't
0: think of the name. You are like, just <laughs> hysteria.
2: Hysteria, yeah
0: which became the best-selling album to date, selling over 20 million copies worldwide. The title of the album was thought up by drummer Rick Allen relating to his experiences during the time of his car accident and the worldwide media coverage that followed. Mm. Uh, a Perry instrumental <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh. Oh. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. The, the listeners aren't going to... Like they're, they're like, I don't know what that means. So they were, We better but, get the boats up to Colonel Kurtz up to Macomb <laughs> and uh, to deliver them the message. <laughs> we just napalmed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On this day in two in 2002, after an absence of 37 years, Bob Dylan returned to the Newport Folk Festival, Folk Festival, now known as the Apple and Eve Newport Folk Festival, where he performed a two-hour show of 19 songs wearing a false beard and wig. Hmm. And he still sucked. <laughs> and he still sucked. Still sucked. I'm not going to argue with Who's this guy it. that sucks exactly like Bob Dylan? Who's this guy with the fake beard? Who is this? He sucks just like Bob Dylan. Uh, songs played include Subterranean Homesick Blues, Desolation Row, Positively Fourth Street, The Wicked Messenger, Like a Rolling Stone, and Mr. Tambourine Man, which we will get to in a second. Something related to that. Birthdays today. Happy birthday, Tony Bennett. You are a fucking living legend, icon, yeah. fucking, I'm just guy, just, he just sealed it when he started, when he did that duet album, the duets album, sealed his fate as a fucking legend.
2: Of that whole group of crooners, he's my personal favorite
0: fucking legend and a I nice him better fucking guy sorry shoot me now but
2: i was always a tony bennett guy
0: yeah hey listen i can't argue with that in a nice fucking guy Yeah. Just always seemed like a nice you never heard anything bad about him you heard a lot about sinatra dean martin you heard like kind of with this kid or whatever i don't know if that whatever but tony bennett solid as a rock uh happy birthday born on uh this day in 1946 john york from the birds hmm. right uh, the only original member of the band, uh I think we covered that last week, to sing Mr. Tambourine Man. Oh yeah. They had the uh the all the musicians weren't like the birds weren't there. He was the yeah. only bird in yeah. the cage, <laughs> I guess. Canary in the coal mine. Canary in the coal mine. Uh happy birthday, born on this day. Lee Rocker. Who's Lee Rocker? Stray Cats. There you go. What what did he play? See the bass
2: player. I got a 50 50 chance because I know Brian Setzer was the guitarist. So.
0: <laughs> Bassist. Final answer. Yeah. Bass player. Got one right. You got one right. I'm <laughs> smart. Uh, speaking of some kind of monster, happy birthday, James Hetfield, born in this day in 1963. And finally, happy birthday, Deidre. Roper, Deidre Roper, born in 1971. Who is Deidre Roper? The Ropers. Listen, you on, got this, buddy. The Ropers no, on Three's Company. Now those aren't real people. <laughs> they don't have real birthdays. But nice try, Deidre Roper, otherwise known as DJ Spinderella, for the legendary, iconic 80s, 90s rap trio Salt and Peppa. Ah, okay. Yeah, I liked me some 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 DJ Spinderella back in the day. I think she was the best looking one in the group. <laughs> I love, and that's fun. the show, buddy. We set a record. Oh God, yeah, two Over. and a half hours. Oh my oh, God, shit! It's half of I, a Bruce Springsteen concert. <laughs> <laughs> We're heading like into fucking Grateful Dead territory here. <laughs> Fuck, but uh, buddy, that was a fast two and a half hours.
2: Yeah, had a great time. Thanks for good, having good, me. Good,
0: good show. Good, solid show, my friend. And once again, I always appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your knowledge. I'm not kissing up to you. I'm being straightforward. You're a fucking you're you're you're, you're nothing but a positive addition to the Milk crates and Turntables podcast. Because but well, you ain't going anyway. You're always on the hook from now on, buddy. You're locked in. We did a two-and-a-half-hour show. That's a bonding right there, buddy. <laughs> we fucking bonded tonight. And no drum solos. And No drum solos, yeah. yeah. Where Jack would go out to get a beer. Um, Next week, if you're around, if you're not, if you're on a staycation, keep me posted. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, we'll have on uh, Lou and Tom, if Tom is willing. Lou already committed. So I'm holding you to it, Lou. <laughs> holding you to it, buddy. I'll or get touch you. With you. We're from Jersey. You can count on us. Absolutely. (laughs) Fucking A. (laughs) Fucking A. I I, I like that. All right. Well, for those of you that listened and watched for the whole two and a half hours, you are a true fan, and I fucking appreciate it. I'm sure Mark appreciates you sticking around listening to us. That means maybe we did something right tonight. Um, As I always say, you guys listening to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, you are the engine that drives this machine without you. Me and Mark would have had a two and a half hour phone conversation. And you ever been on the phone longer than a fucking hour? It starts to get uncomfortable. Elbow hurting. I need the old fucking phone with the horn, with the fucking shoulder horn. Remember that thing? Yeah. You're fucking the, the attachment, and you put that, your mother put that on her shoulder. She could fucking cook, she could clean, <laughs> she could fucking change a diaper. And that it's fucking
2: up the cord running that the cord. 30
0: <laughs> foot fucking cord stretched to 40 feet. It could go up the fucking stairs. And she had that fucking attached and stuck to his shoulder. Perfectly formed. Those need to come back. We need to create something for a fucking cell phone. Cause fuck the speakerphone too. Cause it always turns into, what did you say? Huh? Where are you? What are you doing? Yeah. Fucking. I had a dude, I did a live stream the other night and this dude came on. Uh, he's, he he's like a contributor to the live stream that I do. Um, and he's on the speakerphone and you hear him fucking putting plates away. <laughs> like, like me and the other dude, my, my co-host, uh, I'm the co-host. I let him do the host. He fucking, you hear this guy and he's, he's just waiting to come in and you hear plates you fucking silverware getting taken out of the dishwasher. It's like, this no is, this dude. is out in the bathroom. Yeah, 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 exactly. Ah, I hate that. <laughs> You know how many of my friends fucking torment me with that shit? Oh, by the way, I was taking a dump while we are talking. And I fucking do hate that. It scares me. Why are you talking to me while you're taking a fucking dump? It's beyond me. I'm not that important. I'm fucking willing to give that up. I'm not that important that you have to talk to me while you're taking a dump. There's plenty of other people to call in your life, I'm sure. I'm not one of them. And when they tell you that? All of a sudden, your phone smells. You're like, uh, you know, you know what they do. They do their business. They clean their business. And then they pick up their phone and they fucking walk out before they even wash their fucking hands. Think about it. Think about it, people. Think about that. They say you can't put a toothbrush near a toilet. It can't be within 10 feet. You're fucking in there talking to me on your cell phone. You clean. Put, put the phone. And then you go wash your hands. Too late. Fucking too late. You did it. You got shit on your phone. You got a shitty fucking phone. That's that to that. That's that. Don't Scott's call me. I'm not that important. Scott's on fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can no. wait. You can wait to call me. You can wait. No, to dumps. Me. No, no. But I always get the flush. I, they always tell you, guess what I was doing. <laughs> like, do you fucking, like, I guess you do this on, so you, you go to do your business, and you're fucking sitting there, and you're like, ah, I'm sick of scrolling through Facebook. Let me call Scott. Let me call Scott while I'm taking a dump, and then I'm gonna talk to him for nothing no, about nothing. And I'm just gonna flush it to get his reaction. <laughs> what? What the fuck do you get out of that? It's a macho thing. You get me, you get me all fired up, is what you get. <laughs> and then they hang up, so I can't even rant to them. Yeah. And I'm not gonna go tell my wife fucking Mark Smith was taking a shit while I was talking to him.
2: <laughs> uh oh, Lou's gonna cut that section of the show out and play it. I know it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a (laughs) soundbite okay have at it have at it Lou. it's all yours i give you the fucking copyright to that cut it out whatever you gotta do anyways i appreciate you listening appreciate you watching uh if you like it share it if you're watching on youtube uh subscribe if you haven't already subscribed uh hit the like (laughs) lou's gonna do it and hit the alert bell it lets you know when we go live and uh yeah, I'll be back next Wednesday. Mark, maybe, maybe not, but definitely Lou and hopefully Tom. And one of these days we'll get Perry. He'll call in sick. Oh, uh, he'll be out. We'll get him. Yeah. We'll get him. Yeah. And uh that's it, everybody. Mark again. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'll see you next Wednesday. Yeah.